0: Welcome to episode 45 of GBW Podcast.
1: My name is Josh, and with me, as always, is Chris. Hello, my name is not Chris today. I am Billy D. Williams, and my Colt 45, baby.
0: Wow, how come Billy D. Williams sounds exactly like Keith David? Because that's the only African American voice I can do. That's really good. Good thing you don't have. Hopefully, you don't have to do a Dolomite impression. Um, back up and let me pass. I
1: put my hush puppies up your motherfucking ass. That's my Dolomite. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Hello, Josh. How are you?
0: Dolomite's my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Hells yeah. (laughs) How's it going? It's going well.
1: Yeah. Thanks for this. (laughs)
0: Yes, I put through Chris through a bit of hell this week, because I, uh, I've i been wanting to talk about Caligula since we started this podcast. <laughs> and finally, I got my wish.
1: Oh, yes, you do.
0: Yeah, so um, we'll be getting... <laughs> into that oh everything's (laughs) gonna have a double meaning tonight (laughs) we'll be uh yeah mounting (laughs) caligula later on we'll
1: be getting on top of it (laughs) (laughs) but for now
0: you know i promise you i know we're gonna have it we'll be a little adolescent but um i do think we'll have some good information in this one and it it is a pretty fascinating movie, so uh, yeah, stick I'll, around.
1: I'll, I'll try and curb my giggling at innuendos. <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure. <laughs> but um, before we get into that, haha, um, let's um, talk about what we've, what we've been uh, watching for the last couple of weeks. Okay. So um, did you want to go first, or should I? Or Yeah. I, I, that's... Why don't we start with the one that we went together to? Okay. It? And uh, so Chris scored some passes for Conjuring 2. Yep, um, the new James Wan joint, and um, I was pretty pretty excited to check this out because I I did really like the first one, and I I did think that he uh, James Wan uh, would be able to pull off a sequel, um, considering this is kind of his return to horror after saying he wasn't going to do horror anymore.
1: I um I thought the first Conjuring was like a really perfect modern old dark haunted house movie. Yeah, it was really good. Like, I thought that the way that he staged it and everything, it felt like a 70s haunted house movie, like, you know, Legend of the Hell House and things like that. Yeah. So I really did dig the original one. So I was, like, going into this, I was like you. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is probably going to be just as good.
0: Yeah, and I really liked the characters that they set up in the first one who are based on um, real characters, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, yep. and um, who are most famous for the Amityville um haunting and um well and well according to this movie this one <laughs> but, yeah but um i did um i did really like the characters and the way they were portrayed and i was looking forward to spending some more time with them so um yeah i was pretty stoked to go see this and um yeah we went and um unfortunately <laughs> it it uh Started out well. I thought it started out quite well. I, well, actually, no. What? Let me change that. <laughs> I didn't like the beginning of this because um, I did concentrate on Amityville, and I I didn't like the, the beginning, of the opening section. I I thought it was stupid, um, and I was worried
1: after the the opening scene. What did you think of the opening scene? I liked the fact that it was in Amityville, but at the same time, I'm I'm one of those people who I've read Jay Anson's book. You know, I've looked into the facts behind Amityville, and I know it's a bullshit hoax. I have no doubt in my mind it's a hoax. So, like, I kind of gave it, didn't give me any credence to Ed and Lorraine's, like, actual ability to seek out ghosts. When I know Amityville is a hoax, and they're in there like, oh my god, there's ghosts in here. You know, I'm just kind of like, I wasn't buying it. Did they get into Amityville in the first movie at all? No. I don't think
0: they did. They didn't. So they kind of like, um, like,
1: I think it was just like a way lose to credibility wet. right away. Right. Well, It's it's like to wet people's palate because everyone knows Amityville. Right. Even yeah. if you're not really into horror movies or anything like that most people know the name Amityville. So I was like, okay, well, this is them like being like, oh, look, you guys know about this Amityville thing. Right. But for me, because I'm such a skeptic on Amityville, cause I know it's a load of crap it did lose credibility for me for those characters.
0: Yeah. And I didn't like the way this scene was constructed either. Like, um, uh, um, mild spoiler, but not really. I mean, Lorraine is sort of, um, connected with the, the the guy who, Waste his family basically
1: Ronald DeFeo
0: Yeah and um, I didn't like the whole way The whole scene played out I I thought it was Really kind of cheesy And I
1: I liked like Okay so basically In the scene She's kind of Reconstructing Yeah Him killing his family With a With a high powered shotgun And you know So she's going into a room And she'll see the people Lying in the bed And she'll like Imaginary cock a gun And shoot it Like she's not holding anything But she does the actions Like she's doing it Yeah and I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. But I did like when she would come out of a room and there would be a mirror and reflected in the mirror would be Ronald DeFeo holding the rifle. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But... Like I didn't I th- like it at all. I like, thought
0: this whole scene was a fail. Like, like I, was- I said,
1: I'm a skeptic. So, yeah. automatically, I'm like, okay, I like the idea that they're trying to do something with the Amityville thing, but I'm hoping this doesn't last very long because Amityville's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so we get we get out of this scene and um and then we meet this um family in England cuz basically what's going on with these guys is they're they're being kind of called to task for the hoax the alleged hoax of the Amityville um haunting and they're on talk shows and stuff and they're kind of being taken to task for, you know, whether it was a hoax and whether they're just out for, you know, media attention and so forth. Um and then then we so we're sort of finding out all this about what's going on with these characters. Then we cut to this family in England that's having an act, actual haunting happen.
1: Yeah, it's basically like a, a, a mom and her four kids yeah. who have been left by the dead. And all of a sudden, the youngest daughter starts having contact with like a supernatural being. It's like an old man, like an old dead man, basically like a seven-year-old man who apparently died in the recliner in the house. Yeah. Now I
0: did like this stuff quite a bit. Like, so when, when all this was going on we we're just with the family, I was actually kind of into the movie. I'm like, okay, I can get over that opening and I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting into it again. Yeah. Um, but then the Warren show up and yep. I just, it just, this is where the problem yeah. started
1: for me too. So that, the movie is, is two hours and 15 minutes long. The first hour is basically intercutting between this family and their situation, and the Warrens hanging out at home, and her being visited by Marilyn Manson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we were calling this this spirit Marilyn Manson because yeah, it,
1: it's like an evil nun, but it looks like Marilyn Manson dressed in the Antichrist superstar days of the nineties. Yeah,
0: that's all, all I could think of when I saw this creature. like
1: you know, just like I'm just like okay. Maryland's is he going to bust out the beautiful people? The beautiful people. <laughs> and it was really uh, quite disturbing to me because i I just
0: kept looking at this, thinking like, "How is James Wan not getting that this is super cheesy?" Yeah, like it just did not work for me at all. And I was, it just felt like something I've seen in tons of like modern day bad horror movies well if
1: you want to talk about tons of things you've seen in modern day horror movies let's talk about the reliance of jump scares in this movie
0: no i'm okay with jump scares. i know you're the, the, we're different i'm, that I'm way, a but... little
1: bit off on jump scares it's just that the jump scares some of them were were pretty okay done like yeah. you know like the the hammering on the doors and and yeah stuff I really like, that. like that that stuff. stuff's pretty cool but you know there's other things in it like the fire truck I don't want to spoil it for you people. There's a scene involving a toy fire truck that I couldn't stand. Yeah, I didn't like that either. You know, it's just, it's relying too much on stuff that's been done before. I mean, James Wan is good at staging them, admittedly. Like, yeah. he, he does move his camera fluidly. Um, the production design, again, because it's set in 1977, I found the production design to capture that whole washed out, always raining, shitty Neighborhood in England, kind of vibe, right? Like yeah. I thought that was well done, and the family was pretty good too, for the most part. And I like the fact that most of their troubles came from the the youngest daughter becoming kind of like possessed by the spirit.
0: Yeah, like some sorry, there is some spoilers. A here little from, bit, not really though. We're not going to really give anything yeah. away. But um, and I, I I agree. I did like the. fact I didn't really like the mom, but I did like all the kids. I, I yeah. didn't like the dynamics with the children. And I did like the main, the main, the girl who sort of became the main girl. Yeah. Um, so I did enjoy all the stuff with the family. Um, but, but then the
1: Warrens show but up. But
0: the Warrens show up. Yeah. And, and it just, they just weren't working for me. Like, um, because
1: well, Ed comes in being all macho.
0: Ed comes in being all macho. Lorraine almost takes
1: like, yeah, like she takes She just on, seems like, like she sits on a couch and stares yeah, like, off in the space.
0: Like a traditional, like wife Sidekick role, where yeah. I thought in the first one she had, a, she was a, a lot stronger, yeah, and most in this definite. one she really, can, yeah, she really kind of takes a back seat to, to Ed, and I, I thought it was a really weird choice because. They were like a really strong team, and yeah. I didn't feel like they. this was a team. I felt this was the Ed show, and she was just sort of there, not even really wanting to be there. Like, she was kind of trying to get out of it all the time. She wasn't really stepping up to the plate.
1: Well, she didn't really do anything. Yeah. She just kind of like, Ed was like, oh, we got to investigate and everything. And she's just like, kind of in the, in the outlaying fringes, doing nothing. She's just basically, all she does is say, I'm not feeling anything here. Yeah. You know, I don't feel any any presence here yeah and that's really all she does
0: yeah and then um her purpose is weaker the purpose is weaker and then the movie progresses and there's premonitions and uh you know the variety of things happen and then it builds up to a climax that i couldn't stand I, i was just like i i felt no suspense because i you know for for a number of reasons You know, and I I didn't think the Marilyn Manson character was scary. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it was just a real disappointment. I I walked out of this with a real kind of like, yeah, I was really kind of bummed. And I haven't seen the Insidious movie, so I just, I can't compare it to that. I've seen the first
1: one, and it's decent.
0: Yeah, like I know he's good at what he does, but I, I, and um, it just felt like he really like copped out for some reason. Well, yeah,
1: like, like I said to you, even when we walked out of the theater, I said this movie felt neutered yeah like it didn't feel like it was going for the kind of stuff the original did like the original conjuring has this has that amazing scene of the you know the mother with the sack over her head tied to a chair yeah and spinning in the air and blood coming through the sack that's oh, overhead yeah. and that scene's awesome and there's nothing like that in this no. movie this is just jump scares there's nothing like that with that intensity in this movie jump scares and like sappy family oh stuff. god That stuff, holy fuck, did that annoy me. (laughs) Like, there's stuff in this movie. Like, okay, let's set this up. So, basically, we know the family's dad left them. The house is falling apart. Blah, 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 blah. Ed's coming in and he's like, okay, you guys. I totally know that you're being haunted by this ghost here, and I know your record player's not working, and you you love Elvis. Whose guitar is that over against the wall there? Is that your dad who left you's guitar? I'm going to sit down in this living room, (laughs) and I'm going to sing I Can't Help Falling In Love With You by Elvis to you in the most cheesiest fucking scene I've seen in any horror movie ever.
0: Yeah, and like while lovingly looking at his wife while the kids sing along, and I (sighs) just... Elvis, you know, I mean, okay... Nick Cage did it good in Wild at Heart <laughs>
1: but um this doesn't have a place in a, in a horror movie
0: generally speaking I, I just don't even know why like Elvis even Elvis seemed like a cop-out like of all the artists out there like really that's who you're picking as Elvis like it just felt like they they could have picked someone else but it had you know Elvis like why not do Simon Garfunkel I don't know like it just every choice that was made with the Warrens in this movie felt bad to
1: me if they did sound of silence in the middle of a haunted house that'd be fucking sweet <laughs> hello darkness my old friend Well, I, then the I, house starts shaking but
0: even i all i'm getting at is even elvis just feels mainstream yeah right like the, think of all the songs out there like think if tarantino was directing this movie it would not have been yeah i can't help falling in love with it's you. just
1: it's <laughs> so cheesy yeah it's so cheesy and this isn't the only cheesy moment in this movie no Like, there's a lot of cheesiness. Like, I felt like they were like, okay, you guys, this is a mainstream horror movie. We can't quite go where we went on the first one. We have to make this a little bit more family-friendly. So let's put in all this, like, family dynamics and lovey-dovey looks at each other and all this shit. Yeah. Which I didn't feel fit into the movie. And then also I found that on this movie they slathered on the religion really heavily too compared to the first one and that kind of bothered me too like I, I get it okay exorcism kind of ghost movies have to have that religious element in. Well, them. they were trying to bring
0: a satanic element but this was it. way
1: too much yeah like oh the church won't believe us if we don't have proof the church 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 yeah i'm like mm, you didn't really mo- you, in the first movie the Warren's motivation was not the church no no so that's why i don't get why it was such a prevalent plot point in this one yeah it just it felt like it there was Something going on that wasn't working. No, it get, didn't
0: mesh. No, it didn't mesh. And I, you know, I was, I was like I said after the first conjuring, I was looking forward to spending well, more time too, with these guys for sure. Now I don't know. Now I don't know how I like, feel like. I if like a
1: conjuring three. Do I care? Do I want to see these guys come back? I like Vera Farmiga and I like Patrick Wilson. I think they're strong yeah. actors, and I thought they were good in a role in the original. But it's exactly what you said. As a Vera Farmiga seems to be pushed to the back, yeah, with given nothing to do. Yeah. And then Patrick Wilson is too busy doing that cheesy like fucking Mister Clean, I'm Mister Fix it shit. Yeah, then I'm just like, I don't get it. No, like it's so kind of a a, a one eighty from what the characters were in the original. And, yeah, you know,
0: and the characters are are kind of, in my opinion, what made the original so great. So yeah, so too bad. Yeah, I there, mean...
1: there you go. The Conjuring too. <laughs> um, I think we're in a we're in a slight minority on this one. Yeah. But, I uh, feel like most people, like that I've read, seem to really like it, and uh, but I've also seen more than like five horror movies in my lifetime, so no. That but might even be horror
0: why. fans I, I know, like, yeah, seem to like like this, but I, I I don't get it. I just
1: have a hard time with the with the general cheesiness and the fact that the main villain is not scary, no, and you know, still has it's still, James Wan still is a very strong director visually, yeah. But I just have to second guess his decisions. In yeah, this technically,
0: one. I think it was well done. I just think story-wise and character-wise, it was there were a lot of missteps. Yeah. So too bad. Too bad. Better luck next time <laughs> after Aquaman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's officially going to be done with horror movies now, Josh. Is, did he say that again? No. Okay. I'm just saying. So uh, why don't we continue this path of mediocrity and I'll talk about RIPD briefly oh
0: God. you're actually going to talk about that yeah okay. so
1: i'm not going to talk much about this this is basically it's based on a comic book it's basically <laughs> it's men in black with dead people so ryan reynolds and and jeff bridges play members of the ripd the rest in peace department Ugh. whose job is to their cops whose job is to go and you know put spirits to rest who are wreaking havoc right so you know Ryan Reynolds is a new recruit. Jeff Bridges is his grizzled cowboy-like partner. And they get part of this thing where they have to hunt down the bad guys. And there's a lot of CG effects, a lot of lame jokes, a lot of lame action. Um, I don't know what I was expecting going into it. No. I I really don't. Um, The director, Robert Schwentke, made the Red movies. And I kind of liked the first Red movie. I thought it was fun. So maybe I was just hoping for some kind of vibe like that. But... I should have known not being a big fan of the Men in Black movies either. Yeah. That I probably wouldn't like this, but I got it for two bucks. So I was like, ah, what the fuck? Give it a spin, right? Yeah. So, um, I'm not alone on this one, though. Not like, (laughs) unlike The Conjuring 2, this movie has a universal, not very good vibe behind it from people. And I can see why. It's one of those over excessive Hollywood movies with too much CG. Um, just a plot that continually gets dumber as it goes along and just nothing there for me. I just found it to be like very vapid.
0: Too bad cuz I I like Ryan Reynolds and I have before Deadpool. Um but uh, it's too bad. Yeah,
1: but Jeff he's Bridges charismatic, but I mean he's kind of he's he's got that in this movie a little bit too, but I feel like Jeff Bridges is just like kind of like there for the paycheck. I felt like that since Iron Man. Because he made this, like, right after... I think he made this, like, not long after True Grit. Right. And he was so damn good in True Grit, so... Yeah, I didn't like True Grit. Yeah, I know you didn't. Okay. But, uh, yeah. RIPD. Huh.
0: Right on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, <laughs> you want to add to this downward spiral?
0: Um, Should we just keep... Yeah, let's keep with the downward spiral... Uh, theme and then we can end with a couple good ones. Yeah. Okay. So, next one, another one that, that we both saw um, um, in the last couple of weeks was Cooties.
1: Yeah, we watched it after we recorded last. Yeah, episode. my favorite
0: genre, horror comedy. Yep. So, um, Chris, I know, wanted to see this, so I relented one night and uh, suggested we check it out. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, for me, I, I need to watch horror comedies with someone, or they just don't. Plus, work. it was on sale work at all so you had to find it on vod for 2.99 yeah so went for it um i thought this would be okay because this is from um spectre vision which is elijah woods uh production company yeah so i um and they came out with a girl who, who walks home alone at night which is uh one of my favorite movies from the last couple of years so i really thought okay this will be this will be decent and elijah wood was starring in it so i'm like okay this will be good and then that's what got it's about uh kids that contract a virus and become killer and then get killed so i'm like okay i'm down with that a bunch of like you know, crazy killer kids in a yeah, high, they, high school they
1: just you know they're in Ele- elementary, elementary school, school and yeah. they They uh, have uh, tainted chicken nuggets for lunch and become like murderous and trap the teachers in the school and yeah, they have to try and get out. And that's the basic premise of the whole movie.
0: Yeah. So I was kind of with this for a while. Um, I was
1: with it for about the first half hour.
0: First half hour. Yeah. I mean, I I wasn't a big fan of Elijah Wood's character. Um, I thought he was uh, a little smarmy and like he was like this writer and like there was all these like writer jokes and.
1: It was okay, and I thought that I thought the co-stars were a little better, like more.
0: Yeah, okay. Like so- I know you don't like Rain Wilson, no, but I I, don't I like did Wilson.
1: like him in this because he was like kind of like trying to be a macho gym teacher type, but he was kind of a loser.
0: He was a complete loser. He reminded me of like a, the Trailer Park Boys or something, which I don't like at yeah. all. So I, I just don't like that whole. I mean, I like I like redneck movies for sure, but <laughs> but um, more when they're horror movies. I don't like just seeing redneck characters. I thought he was.
1: I thought he was fun.
0: I know you did, and yeah. and that's all right. So, um, but the problem I had with this movie is when the when the action starts, I thought it was a really good good. Um, you know, outbreak of the virus. And I liked it when the kids started going on their rampage. But then, you know, when these guys got sort of, I think they got locked into like a storage room or a classroom or something because they were trying to escape from the the middle of the
1: movie, man. And
0: then the movie just completely lost steam. It just, they were stuck in this room and it was just like, yap, 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 joke, joke, joke. And I just was like losing interest rapidly. And it went on for way too long. So by the time the climax came, I was checked right out i just couldn't have cared less
1: yeah i i fully agree yeah like i i was into it the first half hour and then they just like josh said they got them in a like cordoned off somewhere and you know nothing really happened like no they would talk and crack jokes and every once in a while they'd look outside and be like yep 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 those those evil kids are still out there okay let's continue to make jokes yeah and you know and and then the finale was kind of like wasn't it in like some weird kind of like I don't know if it was where it was set, but it was had all these like weird lights in it and everything. It was like kind of.
0: That's the thing with this movie, and this is never a good sign. I watched this movie, and I seriously don't remember anything. Yeah, I remember a heck a like, lot about I it. Completely mentally checked out. I just didn't care, and and I just completely lost interest. And I I don't even know what happened. And frankly. I had high hopes for it too. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. So and uh, yeah, so it was another.
1: Another real kind of letdown. I mean, not that uh, I was expecting much, but... uh, This joins uh, my good friend Deathgasm as one of the bigger letdowns of the last year for me. I think I I think I like Deathgasm more than
0: that. I did too, but
1: yeah. I'm still saying that those two movies were like two movies I was overhyped, su- super anticipating, and then I didn't particularly care for either one of them.
0: Yeah, and it's I, and I, like I said, I mean, I I like what Elijah was doing with Spectre Vision. Yeah. So I was really kind of I was really kind of hoping that that was going to be another one of these companies where like everything they put out was awesome, and now I'm like, oh no, <laughs> so. Um, too bad, um, but what can you do? It's uh, But this is another one, though, that it seems like a lot of people really like it. And uh, I think we're kind of in a
1: minority again, as <laughs> usual. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm usually
0: th- in the minority, but we're both in the minority on this one, again. Yeah,
1: I'm not usually in the minority as much as you. Yeah. So, so far, we've, we're have we two for two for both being in the minority here. Yeah, so. that's for sure. Um, And I just got to say, as a quick A-side, uh, those first five minutes... In the Chicken Nugget Factory, I've heard other people saying how it disturbed them and grossed them out. Yeah. I'm really fucking desensitized or something (laughs) because it didn't do nothing to me.
0: No, it didn't do anything for me either. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. Take that with a grain of salt, I guess. (laughs) Uh
0: Uh-huh. No, (laughs) I'm just going to throw in another one here just because it is a contrast. Um, I also watched Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which you had talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. And, um i watched that this week as well and it just that that to me really shows that that to me is how a horror comedy should be it was funny and it was fast paced like it was just go 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 the whole movie likable characters um that you really kind of get behind that you can kind of relate to good jokes um a really guy hot, hanging from a nutsack guy hanging from a nutsack <laughs> a super hot uh lead lead actress um, and it was just, it was just fun. And that's to me what a horror comedy should be. It should be fun from start to finish, like, like dead alive, right? Like that's kind of what I'm looking for when I watch a horror comedy. So if it's not like that, if it doesn't have that kind of high speed pace, I'm, I'm out. Like I'm not really, I'm not really watching a horror comedy for the f- comedy. I'm more watching it for the, the pacing. And I find that the horror comedies I've always enjoyed have been really fast paced and fun. And that's that's why this one was exactly that. This was a really really good horror comedy, and uh, Cooties was not. Cooties did not have that pacing. And
1: so, I I'm gonna si will second Josh's recommendation on yeah. Scouts Guide because I I had fun with it too.
0: Oh yeah, I absolutely recommend that one. The jokes were really funny too. Like yep. and I, yeah, I don't know. I just but it, re- it was a real contrast to, to Cooties.
1: Wasn't there? A, I like the jokes about Dolly Parton in it. Yeah, but wasn't there a joke in it where they like they're walking down the road and there's like a zombie and like a, by an ambulance or something and they start doing like the Michael Jackson dance with it or something
0: no they start singing a Britney Spears song oh a Britney Spears song <laughs> yeah. that's what it is
1: because I, I remember chuckling at that too
0: yeah no there were good moments there were some really fun moments in this and uh, that's what I I thought Cooties would be like and yeah. it just wasn't like that at all like it was just boring but this this one highly recommended if you haven't seen this one yet and you're looking for a horror comedy go for this one don't go for the other one cool yeah uh,
1: how many more you got? I got a few more. I got two.
0: Um, I got, uh,
1: well, I know one of them we both saw. Okay. And then I've got two more. So why don't we do the one we both saw? Okay. What is it? Afflicted. Oh, afflicted. Okay. So I only have one more after this. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. we You talked a little bit about it last time. Or no, I haven't a couple brought episodes. it up yet. I, haven't you brought up? No. Okay. So Afflicted is basically a found footage movie from Derek Lee and Cliff Prouse, who are two local guys for us, yeah. two Vancouver dudes. And um, I like this. I actually really liked this movie, and I'm not really into found footage nearly as much as Josh here. Yeah, I had
0: a found footage festival last episode, yeah. but this was not one of them. <laughs>
1: and I'm not really I'm not really into them as much as Josh is. Like, I didn't like Apollo 18, as we mentioned last yeah. time. And, uh, I liked this one because it's like two friends. The one guy, Derek, finds out that he's got like a brain injury or disease or whatever, and he's probably going to die in, within a year or whatever. So they decide to was go. Was that on. established? Yeah, it was. Oh, that he or, was going to die? Yeah, it was established early on that oh. he wasn't going to last that long. Oh, okay. So, um,. So Cliff and Derek decide to go on a round-the-world trip, like take a year off, go on a round-the-world trip so that he can experience all this stuff and everything. And what they're going to do is, and this is, I actually liked, I appreciated this setup because it actually gave, you know, a reason for this to be a film footage movie is that they were going to document it on a online kind of blog. Yeah travelogue thing where they check in with videos and, and say this is where we are and stuff like that and I thought that was a good way of establishing it and it really
0: it really did that well too like there's yeah. a show up here um, uh, there's a, a travel an actual travel show called Departures have yeah. you seen that I've heard of it it did remind me like a lot of something like that like it actually really nailed that that whole thing
1: Yeah. And I liked that because it it was a good way of establishing the film footage, like using it as film footage. Yeah. And uh, so basically what happens is while they're on this trip, they end up in France and, you know, Derek picks up a girl and, you know, something happens during the night. And when he wakes up, he's changed. Yeah. So, you know, he has, he just, they find out he has this ability to do stuff. Like he can jump really high. He can run really fast. He just, he just has all these superhuman kind of abilities, right? So they're like, you know, they're having fun with this, right? They're like filming it and being like, holy shit, dude, I can't believe that you can do this stuff. But then, of course, this. I think being, we should
0: be really careful with yeah, spoilers on this one. Of course, this being yeah.
1: the kind of movie it is, these new abilities do have a secondary bad nature to them yeah and that's basically what the second half of the movie follows is Derek's dealing with this not so great new abilities he has and how it affects him and cliff yeah and all that and you know i i actually really liked this i think i liked this more than you
0: I think you might have. I mean, I, I I watched it first and then made you watch it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, I well, it didn't again, make
1: me. You just said, I think you should watch it. It's this. one of those situations where
0: I was really, really tired when I was watching it. So yeah. I think that did affect... I didn't not like that. I didn't hate this or anything. I liked it quite a bit as well. Um, but I, I just um, wasn't quite as... Um, engaged as I probably could have been yeah. had I been watching well, I it, watched at seven it in the afternoon so yeah so that would have made a big difference but no it was really really well done i mean i couldn't believe how well done it was it actually reminded me a little bit of um, spring um just in the way that they you know were traveling to these really cool locations and really taking advantage of that i mean i really loved the way um that this was filmed in like i think it was in barcelona and in paris and uh italy italy Italy. yeah Yeah. so and they really took advantage of that and it was really nice seeing all that beautiful scenery and it kind of added to it because these guys were on this travel journey and you were actually with them in these cool cities so um and and the characters were super likable and i really bought into their relationship like yep. I, I almost i almost feel like these guys were are actually friends in real life like they cuz they co-directed it they co-wrote it i mean I think they are they must I, be it feels like they probably are really good friends in real life so be interesting to talk to them one day or something and and find out more because there's not a lot about the making of this movie that i could find right. um but it was really well done i mean and a very fresh take on the whole found footage thing for well, sure
1: most definitely because they do take it it's kind of like they take the film footage and they blend it with another subgenre and i really really liked that yeah because uh you don't see that more often most film footage is like okay we're in this really dark place and there's like a monster or something jumping out at us. This movie doesn't do that. Yeah. This movie actually makes you care about the main character and actually makes you like care about the main characters and actually takes this to a different like direction than I was totally expecting. Like there's something that happens in this movie about halfway through that in most film footage movies would be like kind of a movie ender. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, I looked at the thing. I'm like, there's still 40 minutes in this movie. Where are they going to go with it? Yeah. And where they went with it, I was actually quite pleased. Um, It reminded me a lot of Wreck, the Spanish 2009 found footage movie, which is my absolute favorite found footage movie of all time.
0: Except it's opened up. It's not like a siege movie.
1: Yeah, it's not a siege movie. But it was the same kind of kinetic camera work and the same kind of action sequences and stuff like that. Because there's a scene of Derek like running away from the police that's done like so kinetically and like has him like leaping over stuff and like slamming into things and just like desperately trying to get away, but it's all done first person. This is what that fucking hardcore Henry movie that came out and disappeared (laughs) in like two weeks. Yeah. I'd imagine that's what this did it better than that. I'm going to imagine that, but I just really appreciated them trying to take it like not just have it like a more open scope rather than being like, okay, we're in a house Yeah. We're in tunnels under Paris. Yeah. You know, something like (laughs) that. It actually opens up the scope, and I really, really think that added a lot to my enjoyment of the movie. Totally agree. So, yeah. So, hopefully, these guys do more, because they obviously got something going on. Yeah. I highly recommend Afflicted. It's probably now officially in my top five found footage movies. Ooh. I'm thinking. Ooh, I'd love to do a
0: top five found footage movies. Yeah.
1: So, it's probably up there. Yeah. Yeah. 'Cause we've established Rex my favorite, but this one's this one was really good. I really liked it.
0: Yeah, I've been really into Found Footage lately
1: for some reason.
0: I don't know why.
1: And I'm not. So yeah. for me to say I liked it this yeah. much is something.
0: No, but just having seen so many recently, yeah. like it would be really interesting. Like I know we did a whole episode on it, but now, you know, it'd be nice it'd be cool to like after having seen more to kind of take another look. Well, yeah, at Yeah, and
1: that. I like I just got the Bay to check yeah. out. Yeah, I the see Barry that. Levinson yeah. one, and you know I I watched. Um, I'm going to watch Chronicle soon because yeah. you made it sound like it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But Afflicted is if you're into film footage or if you are sick of film footage like I was, and you want to see it done in a different way that makes it a little bit more fresh for you, then check it out for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Um,
0: well, I'm gonna rip one apart now because <laughs> fuck it deserves it um oh boy what? okay so <laughs> i should have known better but i've i've been hearing a lot about this movie called muck um <laughs> and anchor bay put it out i've and, heard
1: nothing good about this movie no called but muck. it's got
0: it got it's gotten a lot of press so like it, it came out in 2015 and it's it has gotten a lot of press and it's it's being marketed kind of as a throwback slasher movie kind Kane of like, Hodder's kind of, in it kind of like Hatchet was right kind of like Hatchet was good though yeah. but pretty decent it was Hatchet was decent I, don't I haven't seen Hatchet so I couldn't I tell I have to watch Hatchet again but it's being promoted as kind of like a throwback and Kane Hodder's like one of the villains Kane Hodder plays Jason in, in a bunch of the Friday the 13th movies um and it's about this you know group of kids that get you know they're they're in this in the swamp, and then they end up in this house, and then they're being attacked by these like bald bald men like that are painted white and albinos. They're not really albinos. They're like more like I don't know. They're they're kind of like they're kind of like creatures, but not really. And they're just like these big kind of thugs, and they're just we don't really know what. So are
1: they supposed to be mutated?
0: We don't know. We don't know shit. We well, know about you... as much about the fucking guys as this fucking filmmaker knows about making but, fucking um, movies. But Sorry. It... Holy shit. No. No, don't. <laughs> Do you want to stop me? No. You're, you're... Okay.
1: Go but ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, didn't you tell me that this movie actually starts in the middle?
0: This movie starts... <laughs> In the middle of a fucking scene. Sorry, I'm really going to try and curb my language. Okay, this movie starts in the middle of a scene. Like, the middle of a scene. Like, people. No, it starts with this girl who's like wearing like really tight booty short panties. And that's it. Walking around looking for her friends. And then her friends. And like, just out of nowhere, like, she's obviously encountered some sort of trauma and then she runs into her friends and we find out one of them's injured and they're all just sort of there and they're on the they're trying to escape from something in the swamp we don't know what we don't know why we never fucking find out so what they do is they then go on to find this house that's an uh uh, this house that's just there that happens to be by the swamp no fucking reason. It's just there. So what do they do? They just go in because why not? They That's own what you the always fucking, do. Yeah, they, they might as well own the place. So they go in and um, it's just like stupid dialogue like, oh, my God, these people. Oh, my God, these people like you were just like praying for death for them all. And then <laughs> immediately one of them is. Like, you know, we we established, like, there's the slutty one, there's the scared one, there's the kind of tough girl, then there's, like, the, the, the jokey guy. The black and dude? Is he there? No black guy. Then there's, like, the hero guy, right, who seems to be the hero guy. Nerdy guy? No nerdy guy. Oh. So then the hero guy decides he's going to go off for help, so off he goes to try and find help. Because, you know,
1: going by yourself for help, so it was a good thing yeah to do.
0: and then there's the you know the self re- the self-referential humor like jamie kennedy and scream and he's saying oh the guy's going for help you know he's not coming back blah 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 and then this person's gonna not get naked and this person's gonna go downstairs blah 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 and you're just like oh my god
1: oh uh, so it's one of those ones where, oh the, my where the person who made it thinks they're they're funnier and smarter than oh my are.
0: god and okay so there was this one part where they're going on about um like they're like they're, they're calling the town like cravenville or something but they're like the way they're talking about it is this like really like it's these really like thinly veiled disses of West Craven, which I also thought was a really weird choice. Like why would you diss Wes Craven? Like base, you know, a lot of a lot of like oh yeah, oh, Cravenville's not like it used to be. Cravenville used to be really cool. You know, like and it was just really dumb. Like I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And then okay, so <laughs> then we get The dumb blonde girl, the slutty one, goes upstairs, and what does she do? Of course, she has to have a shower. Like you're being chased by like these like albino white guys in the swamp, and you're gonna have a fucking shower in the in the house. Like it makes no sense. And she puts on like the the like shower radio, and she's like, of course, she gets naked, and then
1: does she sing along?
0: No, but it's like a completely stupid scene, like totally unnecessary oh, by the way there's a lot of nudity in this movie but it's like shittily filmed nudity like nothing's erotic we'll get to that more later but um <laughs> nothing's erotic like you're just sitting there like what the fuck like the guy can't film nudity to save his life director's name is steve walsh by the way also the writer um so then we go we go to the guy who like um is going for help and he is a fucking idiot who like goes to the this bar in town and he's going for help like apparently his friends are like you know being chased by these like mutant monster killers he goes to town to get help but instead of getting help like he he okay first of all he like starts um he's basically trying to get laid from this girl in the bar like so he's his girlfriend's like in trouble at this house he's at the bar trying to get laid he doesn't phone the police he calls his fucking racist cousin or something this, this other character i can't remember what his name was but i think it's his it's his cousin he calls him to come and pick them up like why wouldn't you call the cops dumbass And then then he, like, you know, he starts running back to the house. And then, like, en route, he, like, goes by this window of this other house. Like, I guess a neighboring house. And some girls, like, in in the house, like, in her underwear, like, on the phone and with no top on. So he, like, stops and, like, looks at her for, like, five minutes. he's like, ooh, I guess I better probably get going. After he's, like, ogled this chick. It just... The guy is, like, totally awful. Then... He goes back, and then it's just his his asshole racist cousin shows up, and then they just like f- fight the monsters, and it's just like the worst action cutting I've ever seen. And man, this is like I, I I hate saying worst movie I've seen in a while, but this literally is like I I couldn't believe how shitty this was.
1: Is it um, <laughs> is it worse than Fast Zombies with Guns?
0: Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> That's a shitty movie.
1: Just so, just so people know, Fast Zombies with Guns is a movie that I subjected Josh to a couple of years back. Oh my god! Because there was this company called Chemical Burn who decided to start sending us screeners, and yeah. Yeah. This
0: might have been worse. No, no. That was that was that was the worst. Okay. But this is definitely the worst thing I've seen in years. This is the
1: worst thing Anchor Bay has it's, put out. <laughs> I couldn't believe
0: Anchor Bay put this out. I couldn't believe that this thing's been getting press. I can't believe there's a
1: fucking prequel coming out. Like it was just Oh my god! Didn't you did okay? So you said the movie just seemed to start in the middle of a scene, but then you also say it ended in the middle of a scene.
0: No, it ends. There's like a big fight between like. Are we one, spoiling
1: something? Just say spoilers if we are.
0: No, there's a fight between one of the albinos because there's lots of fights between these. I, I'm calling them albinos. and I don't know if they're really really albino, albinos. Well, you say
1: or, you say like white, bald, kind of. I just well, they're not albinos. white. They're not.
0: They're like painted white. They're kind of like. They're kind of like painted. Like, are they like
1: fucking mimes?
0: No, they're like, like those, like you know when Bo Derek gets painted in Tarzan the Ape Man. Okay, holy, that was like totally out there. <laughs> okay, it's kind of that white. It's like, um, like Lords of Salem white like you know the cover of Lords of Salem yeah, yeah, where that, yeah. she's got the it's like that kind of white it's just like this weird white So paint. like clown cl- like grease paint or like are they I don't know are they in grease paint or are they really dusty I don't fucking know <laughs> but th- there they are they and so, so so so
1: what's the perp- what's the purpose of the movie being called muck then
0: I guess it's really mucky in the in the swamp
1: because they're like, oh, Muck, what a fucking title. That's going to sell some
0: units. Oh, my God. Well, it has been selling units. And there's a prequel coming out. But what Chris is, it is it called saying, pre-Muck? It's called Muck Feast of St. Patrick's or something. Okay. But I guess it's going to show why they're white, maybe. But, um, yeah, the movie ends. like There's like a fight between some of the characters and one of these white guys. And the white guy dies. And then they turn and they're like, oh, no. And then, like the mucks, the the swamp starts growling or something. Cut. Done. Credits? So you don't know what happened. It's so stupid, dude. (laughs) Like... (laughs) i'm not even doing justice how shitty this movie is and i really hate ripping on movies um so i mean really i i don't really do it very often so if i'm saying something is this bad it's it's, it is this bad and yeah we
1: we, josh and i both kind of always try and find at least something positive in the stuff we watch
0: like i literally can't find anything positive in this movie like and like the nudity like I'm fine with nudity. Believe me. Yeah. I'm
1: pretty sure we've established 45 episodes in that you're fine with nudity.
0: (laughs) When this one woman like fights this guy and then like she's all dirty from fighting the guy. So she like turns around and takes her clothes off. No, she's already got her clothes off. This is the one that's wearing the booty shirts. But Literally she turns around and a, fucking sprinkler goes on and then there's like a five minute scene of her like washing off like it's so stupid and so unnecessary and so poorly shot like there's nothing sexy about any of this like i said we're gonna get to that more in a few minutes but um there's there's nothing sexy about it so it's just really weird that there's so there's all these cool stunts supposedly like there are some decent stunts in this but they're not impressive because of the way they're shot there's all kinds of nudity in this. Unerotic because of the way it's shot. There's a bunch of fight scenes that are just terribly edited together. Um, Kane Hodder is completely wasted in this movie. Like, not literally drunk wasted, but, like, just wasted as a, as an actor. And I just don't understand. And
1: like, I forgot he was even in it till you just said it because you didn't mention him at all.
0: No. People are, are, are buying this movie, and um, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's just... Nothing. What
1: is Kane Hodder in this movie? You know, there's movie?
0: there's this other scene where this girl, when the guy's in the bar, like trying to like um, get help or whatever he's doing there. This other there's a woman in the bar that's like, ooh, um, or no, is she? No, no, sorry. It's when when the he calls his racist cousin who's also in a bar. A lot of scenes in bars in this movie, and the racist cousins with this. um <laughs> He's with a muslim or no she's not muslim she's uh punjabi and this one girl that's that kind of likes him and this is super offensive too because he's like constantly making racist jokes for towards her like saying you know, oh, well when you lived in the caves and wherever and you know just he's being a real total prick to this girl but she just keeps like saying she wants to sleep with him and like she's still into him like if any girl i know would have been long fucking gone but there's also another girl that's with them as well. And she's like, I she's trying to get, trying to have sex with this racist cousin as well. And there's one point where she like, actually she goes into the washroom and she changes her underwear like five <laughs> times for no reason. Like there's no reason she's in a public washroom trying on fucking lingerie. Like it, it, it makes no sense. And like, she's, like like tries on like five different outfits like was, is that what was, was it in her purse like it, was she like hey hey hey
1: is this what girls do no it's not it, what girls let's do. ask our female listeners no, if no. that's what girls do no. go on our facebook page and let us know <laughs> if you carry around six changes of underwear with you
0: it's so stupid and like i don't know i i, I don't know terrible <laughs> terrible so i'm sorry like to the filmmakers i really am i know hard. why is why are you apologizing it's hard to make a movie and i hate ripping on movies no. but this is they um, should
1: be apologizing to you for making you endure 90 minutes
0: well i just i i know some of the reviews are bad for this but really guy like really you need to understand like you need to be a better editor and and you need to be able to f- film things better like just make make the story coherent. Like I, I don't even know what he was trying to do because it it didn't feel like a throwback. It wasn't scary. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't anything. It was just frustrating. And like it wasn't fun. Frustrating. Like I was pissed off. Like I don't sell DVDs very often, but I got this and I like want it gone
1: as soon as possible. So what's Kane Hodder in this movie?
0: He's one of the albino things oh okay okay but he doesn't speak like it's just it was it was sad i felt sad that kane hodder was in this oh okay like he he can he, the guy is an icon he can do better than this okay you know
1: all right well <laughs> god i did Sorry. a re- jesus m- my my last movie is <laughs> going to be a revisit so this is something i watched ages ago that i decided to uh give another spin and uh So lately, for some reason, I think it's mainly because I picked up the Sam Kinison album, Leader of the Band, (laughs) that I was like, oh, remember him and Andrew Dice Clay? So then I was like, oh, Andrew Dice Clay, I remember him. So I started watching his shit on his stand up on like YouTube. Right. So it's like, you know, you know, little boy blue, he needed the money. Oh, (laughs) you know, jokes like that. Like he wasn't very good, but I was just it's fascinating that. (laughs) No, he wasn't very good. He was really the last politically incorrect comedian who got away with that shit, though. Leary, well, Leary, I guess, but this guy was like really, really politically incorrect. Yeah. So he was the last guy who had any sort of fame from that kind of uh, persona, right? Yeah. And uh, so I was like, okay, this guy's a little fascinating to me. I, I, I don't understand how he became so big because he was fucking huge in the er, in the late eighties, early nineties. Oh yeah. And uh, so. I, re- I got his autobiography from the library oh that he God. wrote a couple a year and a half ago called, uh, I think it's called The Filthy Truth. Mm. So I got that. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch The Adventures of Ford Fairlane again. Okay. And so I did. And I got to tell you, <laughs> I, s- I still kind of like it. Really? Yeah. I-, I liked it when it first came out. Um, it's directed by Rennie Harlan. Okay, who made uh, you know Cutthroat Island, Nightmare on Elm Street Four? Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street (laughs) Four, Die Hard Two, Long Kiss Goodnight. You know he's made Cliffhanger. So he's made some decent movies in his career. I kind of like him. He seems like a cool dude. Like we've talked about him in the past. Yeah, that he seems kind of like a really cool, mellow kind of like he doesn't take everything too seriously. But you know, and uh, so he directed it. It's got Robert Englund in it, playing one of the main bad guys rare to see him not in a Freddie makeup. Right. And he's got a really bad British accent. So he's always like, every time he sees Andrew Dice Clay King Ford Fairlane, he's always like, Allow, allow <laughs> He's always saying that to him, right? Wayne Newton, mm-hmm. Priscilla Presley, Vince Neal. So there's all these, or Gilbert Godfrey. So there's all these people in it that are, you know, pretty well known. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay plays Ford Fairlane. He's like a rock and roll detective. Yeah. So the basics of the movie is that he's hired to kind of track down this groupie called Zuzu Petals. and he gets himself into all these situations with the bad guys, so on and so forth. His character cracks a lot of diceisms. He's always going, "Oh," and smoking and everything. He goes into a bar and he's like, "Oh yeah, he smokes." Sure, guys, kneeling bobbers—that just what you do. Oh, you know stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's got that David Patrick Kelly from The Warriors in it. Right. As a guy who's, like, obsessed with this girl band that Dice is, like, protecting. And he's got, like, this briefcase full of pictures of him. He's always getting all pervy over them and everything. And, you know, it's just a Sheila E., Morris Day, (laughs) music number with Dice singing, like, If I Can't Have You. It's, It's fun. Right. You know, the action's ridiculous. The jokes are off color. Lauren Holly looks fucking hot in a black dress as his secretary in one scene. You know, it's... It's a it's a goofy movie. Yeah, it is. It's a goofy movie. I don't know how twentieth century fox made it. I think it bombed when it came out. Yeah, like I don't think it did too hell too well. But you know, it's fun. It's it is what it is. It's a it's a, a total snapshot of the early nineties and his career. Yeah, because he improvised a lot of stuff and you could tell. Yeah, but you know, it still was entertaining. It was like a hundred minutes long and. It is it delivered what I expected, still.
0: Nice. So yeah. I I remember when it came out, I thought it I I was expect I thought it would be a lot better than it was.
1: So I don't know what I was expecting. It could have been a little bit more off color, I guess, but when you're working in a big studio system, I guess they had to like kinda contain it a little bit. Yeah. Like they couldn't have Andrew Dice Clay going around being like, So the other day I had my tongue up this chick's ass like he does on his <laughs> stand up, you know. They they couldn't really do that as much, obviously. But uh I think it gets a bad rap. I think it's a much better movie than it's, people think it is. Right. I'm not saying it's amazing, but I'm just saying I think people just because of who's because of the stigma about, you know, dice. Yeah. I think people just think it's a shit movie automatically. Doesn't he have a reality show out now or something? He has a show on um, Showtime where it's a faux reality show. So it's like a mockumentary oh. kind of where he like he plays himself, but I think it's like a fictionalized account of his life. Hmm. I'm curious to check it out because he has been kind of like just in the last like, two to three weeks, he's just been so like in my head. I'm just like... I'm really curious about this dude, like how he just, how he reached such a high level of fame, basically telling jokes I told in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. so yeah, there was that. Huh. So if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube, check out his stand up, see if that offends you enough to watch the movie. Yeah. The movie's fun. Lots of cameos, you know, lots of music. Good time. Good time. Cool. Good time.
0: Great. Well, is that is that all you got? That's all I got. Okay, I think we're gonna. I'm gonna defer my other one till the next episode. Okay. Um. So let's get on to the uh, let's, let's on topic to the an
1: erotica as we were talking <laughs> about.
0: All right. So the reason I picked Caligula <laughs> is
1: okay. So Caligula is bef- movie. Bef- before we start, thank you.
0: You're welcome. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Caligula is a movie from 1979. The reason I picked this movie is because. I have a real fascination with behind-the-scenes stories. And I, I love learning about and reading about movies that had, like, troubled production histories. Um, and this is kind of, in my opinion, like one of the granddaddies of them all as far as this goes. There is so much stuff that went on behind the scenes
1: in this movie. It's like a movie in itself. Um, it's like I told you, I'm more entertained by the behind the scenes stuff than I was by the actual film.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, when, when thinking about this movie and like, you know, Chris asked me earlier tonight, like what would I rate this movie? And it's really hard for me to do that because I'm finding, I find it hard to try and separate what this movie should have been or could have possibly been with the caliber of talent behind it. And I also find it hard to separate all the stuff that went into this movie that made it so fucking wacky. And so trying to give it a rating is really difficult for me because there's all this other stuff going on around this movie and the the mythology of it that I I find it really hard to give a, a solid rating to. Also, I mean, this movie has kind of been with me for most of my life, this is a movie I really remember. <laughs> I remember. I'd really
1: like to know how you s- your first viewing okay. of this movie because this is my first viewing of this movie, and I'm a 41 year old man. Yeah, so I really want. I'm really curious about yeah. your okay. story.
0: <laughs> so I got a couple of stories about Caligula. So this movie, I rem- okay, the first encounter I had with this movie, as I remember, and I remember this quite vividly. I used to stay at my grandparents' house quite often on weekends. And um, the story's
1: already going in a weird direction.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I don't know why I remember this, but I uh, you know I used to hang out there, and I'd like you know you know I'd have my record player there, and I'd be listening to records, and I'd read books and all that, and but I remember flipping through a newspaper and like the I think I was looking for like a movie to go to on the weekend with my grandma, and I remember find seeing the ad for Caligula, so I must have been like seven or eight because this movie came out in 79 so i must have been around that age and i remember flipping through the ads and seeing that you know the iconic bloody like there's like the 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 post movie is like a a roman coin with blood coming out of the eye
1: yeah it's a roman coin with malcolm mcdowell's image on it because he's the main character with yeah like, like he's crying blood
0: yeah so i didn't know who malcolm mcdowell was and and I mean, I was I was into movies at a really young age, but I just remember very quite clearly reading the ad for this, and I just remember, I remember looking at the warning. I I don't know why this is so clear, but it said warning: completely concerned with sex, and um, contains an actual childbirth. And I was like, what the hell? Like my little mind was like this was, like, completely forbidden, right? Like, this mm-hmm. was, like... So, like, triple X movies, like porno, were, were wasn't advertised in the, the normal paper, right? Like, that was that's where you went to, the, like, the, the, the porno magazines or the porno theatres. But Caligula was actually a movie that was produced by Penthouse Films that played in mainstream cinema because it had this A-list cast in it. So, it was, like, this... For me as a kid that was, you know, used to going to see Star Wars and, and you know, Star Trek, the motion picture and Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff, seeing this ad for this movie that was just completely like controversial and forbidden was super like, it, it really did make an impression on me just even seeing that ad in the newspaper. So cut to about 10 years later, I think I was around 20 when I first saw Caligula for real. Because um, I never saw it on video or anything. And um, I remember it was playing at a midnight screening. It actually played quite for quite a while at midnight screenings in a theater downtown Vancouver here. And um, some friends of mine decided to go check it out. I really missed that when... Well, I really miss the days when I actually went to midnight movies and wasn't like, fuck that. I'm not going to a midnight movie. I'm too goddamn tired. <clears throat> and you know when I used to go to them all the time because I saw some great ones. I saw this. I saw Rocky Horror, of course. I saw Pink Flamingos. I mean, I saw all kinds of movies at the midnight movies. But we went to see Caligula at, at a midnight movie, and it's a long-ass movie. But I remember <laughs> just going to it. I remember I remember. I was clearly went with a friend of mine who was a girl, and and uh a bunch of other people I remember, I remember going with her mainly and um we went and uh yeah it was just like a complete onslaught of just like what the fuck so we watched the movie and it was like it was you know i i couldn't believe like how much like nudity was in this like it was just like cock everywhere and <laughs> boobs everywhere and like literally by the the half an hour in you've kind of tuned out to all that well it's it's,
1: like even it's just you're just used to it even during dramatic moments in this movie there's (laughs) always someone naked in the background
0: always someone naked or always some like giant cock like
1: (laughs) statue (laughs) or something if if I'm looking at my notes here (laughs) I have a note that's just written in big capital letters cock close up (laughs) okay so that's what kind of movie we're talking about today
0: Or there'd like be like a
1: cake that's shaped like a cock or like Yeah, th- yeah, like like in a <laughs> dining hall scene where there's a cake shaped like a cock and then right to the right of that there's a cake shaped like a vagina. Oh, that's a and wedding. there's fucking steam coming out yeah, of I it. Know. <laughs> like, it's just oh, the wedding, everywhere, you,
0: everywhere you look is like some sort of phallic symbol or an actual penis or, or boobs or whatever. So, like, you're just so, like, overwhelmed by all this. But then by about an hour or half an hour in, you're, yeah. you're just used to it. It's just like, okay, well, that's that. And then I was just completely fascinated by, you know, I, I thought McDowell's performance. We'll get into that more later. But, I mean, I was completely taken by him i mean this is the movie i think of when i think of malcolm mcdowell it's not clockwork orange it's this movie and it's um and i i thought he just rocked it and I, i've loved i've loved him since um but then and but then after i saw that that's when i started like becoming a little bit fascinated by this movie and started reading all the behind the scenes stuff and and i still like i I keep reading stuff about this movie, and it's like never ending. Like the amount of just weird shit behind this movie, and we'll get in, we're going to get into some of that as well. But I think first of all, um, well, first of all, I mean, I'd I'd just like to know what your initial impression was, and then we'll then I'd like to
1: get go into the plot a bit. Okay, so <laughs> obviously, I was aware of Caligula. <laughs> like, how can you not be? Into cult movies and B movies and horror movies and all that kind of deal, and not be aware of this movie. But it's a movie I always had avoided for some reason. I think it's just because you had always heard like, "Oh, it's basically just like this insane porno or whatever." Right? Yeah. You're always just like, "Okay, well, not for me, really." Like, you know, you know, I'm a I'm a man. I I, I do you know porn whatever guys watch porn, but i 'm just like i don 't know if I can handle two and a half hours of porn with like real actors in front trying to like you know act yeah, so I was like i 'm not sure about this movie because I heard it was graphic, and I heard there was also graphic gore in it and things like that, and i 'm just like okay i 'm into graphic gore, but i don't know you just you hear so many stories about this movie yeah. when you're when you're looking at it, and I was always being hesitant to it because i 'm like. I'm almost like, I'm ashamed to say I've seen this movie almost. (laughs) Or like, I'd be ashamed to actually like buy it. Because I'm afraid like people at the border guards or whatever would be looking and go like, what a fucking pervert. You know, (laughs) (laughs) something (laughs) like that, right? Like I'm always kind of like that. So, you know, I am actually very happy that I've finally seen it. Yeah. But I'm going to fully admit to you, I do not think it's a good movie. Yeah. But if they were to write a book... About the behind the scenes of this movie. I'm so fucking there. Well, someone is writing
0: a book about it. There
1: is so much, so much shit yeah. going on behind the scenes of this movie. And just so many bizarre, like, what were they thinking moments and, and basically ideas and decisions regarding this movie that I would love to be able to just read about this.
0: Yeah, I mean... I'm going to plug this a couple of times, but I mean, I, I, there is someone writing a book about it. I would recommend if you are interested in, in learning more about the behind the scenes stuff about Caligula, just go to Caligula.org. Um, and you can, there's all kinds of information there. Um, and I'll plug that again at the end because it is quite an exhaustive, um, uh, <laughs> there's
1: just, it's ridiculous. It's, how much. It's more exhausting than the movie
0: no but it's not exhausting it's (laughs) fascinating that's true and it's one of these movies that i just can't let go of like i just keep i keep circling back to it and i'll like just read another article about it and i'll read another essay about it because there's just so much shit and like apparently um well there's multiple cuts to this movie I'll, i'll try and guide you through those a little bit and um there's multiple rumored cuts there's also a you know apparently there's like 50 hours or something of footage in the penthouse vaults of of stuff that was didn't make it like i just i just <laughs> just i just it's one of these movies i'll I'll always wonder about and um i mean let, like let's just get into a bit of the uh, just a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff like one of the more notable things about this movie okay so it was written by Gore Vidal Gore Vidal is like an American, um, I think he's American, but yep. he's a, a famous author. Playwright. Um, playwright, author of nonfiction and fiction. I think uh, one of his more famous um, uh, pieces is Myra Breckinridge. Um, now that's a train wreck of a movie too. Yes, it's about, you know, uh, but again, Gore Vidal is not afraid to like explore like, you know, controversial material. I mean, that movie's got, you know, transvestites and, I, um, you know, um, a lot of gay themes. And it's, um, it was way ahead of its time. And, um, you know, but this guy is, is a renowned uh, intellectual author. And this... So the original script was done by him. Um, then we get uh, um, Bob Guccione from Penthouse. So... Okay, there's there's a lot of stuff here, so this all started because um, Franco uh, um, Rossellini was the producer, and he wanted to make this make this film, and um, he got involved and then wanted to get Gore Vidal involved. That they 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 established a relationship. Then um, they were trying to figure out how to get get it done. So they got Bob Guccione involved from Penthouse. So Penthouse got involved, and then Bob Guccione wanted to hire. Tinto Brass to direct it. Tinto Brass is an Italian director who was kind of known for um, more kind of art films at the time since Caligula. He's gone on to make a bunch of like kind of erotica films, but he he was a, you know, well-known, like a established filmmaker in Italy at the time. So we've got this weird combination of people going in to make this movie and what ended up happening after the movie was shot is Brass um, had a... Okay, so when Brass was filming the movie, he had a very different vision of what Gore Vidal's script was. So as the movie was being filmed, what was actually being made was going off script. So Gore Vidal was getting frustrated with all that. Um, so he ended up wanting to be removed. He's just sort of decided, you no know, fuck it. This isn't my movie anymore. So he kind of distances himself from the whole thing. So even though it's called Gor Vidal's Caligula, they didn't really use Gore Vidal's script. these parts of it, but not really. So Tinto Brass when shot this movie. After the movie was filmed, um, Bob Guccione from Penthouse decided he didn't like what Brass was doing. Because Brass was almost making this like, kind of like almost comedic. And he was going for more of a like... Um, like a political angle as yep. as opposed to like a sex angle. So, um, you know, Brass and Brass was doing things like he was like getting like the ugliest women to do the sex scenes. And like, and he was, he was just, he wasn't trying to make it into a porno. He was, he was trying to do his own, he's do his own artistic vision behind it. After the movie was done, Guccione didn't like that. He wanted it to be a porno that he could sell with Shakespearean actors in it. So he kicked Tinto Brass. Tinto Brass delivered a 50-minute cut, I believe it was 50 minutes, like a first, you know, he started. had started editing the movie. Guccione didn't like it and basically locked Brass out of the editing room. At which point Brass... Also, distanced himself from the movie and requested that he's his name be taken off of the credits. So now it's become the Bob Guccione show. It's also it was also at that time that Guccione um, wanted to like sex it up a bit. So he went onto the sets, um, kind of um, Roger Corman style, and he went onto the sets after after hours or on weekends and shot a bunch of triple X footage that he then spliced into the movie. So this movie was not edited by um, renowned editors um, and it was not put together in the way that the director intended. So it just became kind of this mess of a movie. And that's why it kind of turned out the way it did. Um, But that's why I also have a, a challenging time sometimes when people are ripping on the movie saying it's a piece of shit because... I think a lot of the reason why is because you had someone going in, Bob Guccione to, and taking what maybe could have been a really great movie and just chopping it to shit. Like scenes were all over the place. Like they weren't in the order they were intended to. I think the whole tone that brass had shot was gone um, and replaced with like all this, like, you know, they were trying to like sex it up and trying to make it controversial. So a lot of what was intended beginning isn't what ended up wow. coming out.
1: And you can tell.
0: You can absolutely Cause tell. Because that's what
1: I said to you, even, yeah. is like when I was watching it, I was like, this movie is all over the place. It is all over the place. Like, and and you can tell that it's it's got something to do with who was control, wrestling control of this movie yeah. when you were watching it. Because it's like, you know, you hear the stories, you're like, okay, so Brass during post-production said you know what? I really don't want to be involved in this <laughs> exactly. anymore. So that's why he's credited as just like, he's got a weird credit in the movie. Like I can't photography remember. photography by photography director or something. He weird. doesn't get he's a got, director's credit. Yeah. Like just like Gore Vidal doesn't get a screenplay credit. Well, he it's just called gets, Gore Vidal's Caligula. Yeah. Though. But he doesn't get a credit. It's like adapted from a screenplay or right. something. It's yeah. got some weird yeah. credit for him too, but you can totally tell like, Because the tone of this movie is all over the place. When I was watching it, I said to you, I was confused oftentimes (laughs) because it did felt like someone just took like a weed whacker and went into the editing room and just like threw the movie together. Yeah. Because we watched the two hour and 36 minute cut.
0: This is kind of the cut, I think, to watch. I mean, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about the sex scenes in a bit. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, this is the one that's kind of the known cut is the 156-minute version. But it does have a lot of stuff in it that I think maybe the movie would have been better served had it not been there. Like all these uh, inserts that um, Guccione put into the movie. Well, it's also what
1: I said to you. I said, when I was watching it, I'm like, okay, this movie does not need to be two hours and 36 minutes long. I said, you hire yourself an actual competent editor and get them in there and kind of... You know, flip this movie around, tidy it up, get it where it's supposed to be, take out those insert shots. <laughs> I just did the finger thing.
0: And, you know, it actually would probably. Sorry, to clarify the finger thing, he meant air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> People um, could take that a lot of ways, buddy. In this movie, yes.
1: <laughs> um, but I just feel like if they would have got an editor in there, if Guccione would have not insisted on adding the hardcore stuff in oh, it, yeah. this actually could have been. A pretty decent movie. Its budget was like almost $18 million. Like, I'm you know? really curious. It's what got brass some is- good actors yeah. in it. Like, Malcolm McDowell in this movie is great. Oh, yeah. But it's like, it's such a train wreck when you watch it. It's just like you can tell that there was a lot of infighting and a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, even when you're watching this movie, which is why, for me, when I'm watching it as a movie, I'm just not, you know, I'm having a hard time with it. But when well, like, we're talking we're, about the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's like, that's a story that makes this movie worth watching. It really is. I mean, I, like, And rumor
0: has it, like, with the editing process, like that some of the shots that were used were, like, rehearsals. Like, they didn't even use, like, the actual... You can kind of tell on that, too, I think. Like, they were just going through footage and just slapping things together, trying to make it into yeah, some sort like, of... Yeah,
1: like, you can kind of tell that because the, I noticed that... During the movie, there's certain scenes where you can see the camera kind of wobbling. Like, they weren't set up to actually shoot it, like, properly. So that might have been rehearsal stuff. That would, like, explain why the camera seemed to be, like, really abruptly moving around during certain moments of the movie. Yeah, and there's also, like... um, Like, it makes... The way it's edited and the way they did that, it makes it feel like the people behind it didn't know what the fuck they were doing.
0: No, they didn't. I mean, there's continuity errors. I mean, one of the more famous ones is if you look at uh, Malcolm McDowell's beard, facial hair. Yeah, it's not consistent from one scene to the next. Well, there's a scene where he shaves
1: it off, though.
0: Yeah, but then he'll have it again. Then he won't have it. Like so, there's that type of thing going on as well. So let's just let's why don't we just work our way through the movie, and then um, we could talk more about some more of that stuff at the end. Um, So the movie opens up with. kind of a so this is again one of these scenes that's in various cuts is in different parts of the movie yeah like when the movie <laughs> opened
1: even I'm like what the fuck's going on
0: <laughs> yeah so there's a movie uh, the, the opening scene is, is Malcolm McDowell frolicking around in this pasture with this woman
1: yeah and who she's got one boob hanging out and I'm like okay that's okay yeah. yeah and we don't know who she is and we but, don't know why they're frolicking around you know, and she's giggling and I'm like this is a hell of a way to start your movie.
0: Yeah. So that's um you know it turns out later that that's actually his sister. Yeah. And they're like making out and stuff and uh it is pretty, you know, that whole angle is pretty bizarre. Yeah. Um but that yeah, like that scene in a different cut shows up later on in the movie um and it's it's basically them celebrating the fact that they don't have to hide their relationship from Tiberius anymore. So that's them like, yay! We don't have to sell. We don't have to like hide hide our love anymore, right? Yeah. But the way it's shown in this cut, it's just like this weird random. It's not. It's not a weird scene. It's just kind of a like, what? Why is this here scene? That well, yeah, it's opens, like opens the movie. It's
1: like, so you're showing him like running around the woods with this girl. She's got a boob hanging out. Yeah. You're like fake bumping and grinding against her because you're still fully clothed. And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom, Caligula credits. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. And it's the Caligula with the bloody. Yeah. It's like I, I didn't quite like I'm like, okay, obviously, this is going to make sense to me later. But it just seemed like a strange way to start your movie.
0: Yeah. And then it cuts to this coin. And it's it's there's a voiceover of McDowell proclaiming himself or Caligula proclaiming himself as a god. So you're getting the sense, you know, of what you're getting into. Um, you know, and that is a quote. It is a quote that's used way later in the film again that he actually says. So again, like, kind of not sure why they chose to put that quote there, but I guess it is to kind of set the tone for what's coming up that you've got this guy who thinks he's got. Um, and then the, the score starts, and I, I do kind of like the score for this movie. There's two themes in particular. Um, there's this kind of main, like, You know, kind of marching, um, you know, overture type theme. And then there's also um, a quieter one. But I I do like the music quite a bit. Music was by Bruno Nicolai um, under the alias of Paul Clement. Um, And he had done uh, scores for a number of Italian movies. I think there's a couple of Giallo he did and some uh, spaghetti westerns and stuff. So uh, we get the first real sampling of the score there. And then we're looking at our, our credit list. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's like Malcolm McDowell, Teresa Ann Savoy. Um, I really liked her in uh, Salon Kitty. We'll talk about, about more about that later, too. Um, and then Peter O'Toole and Helen Mirren. And yeah. It's just like, wow, like, what a cast. And that's not even all of them, right? I mean, but it really, you're really like how did this get, like, how did this get made? I mean, we both love that podcast, but this is really one of those, like, how did this get made? Like, how did that happen, right? Like...
1: Well, the Helen Mirren thing now is like, how did that happen? Because back then, she wasn't, like, such a big deal. She wasn't an Oscar-winning actress or well, whatever, right? Well, she was right? still in
0: Shakespearean roles. She was with Gil Yeah Good and Beckett. She, but, uh, I mean,
1: you got Lawrence of Arabia up in this bitch, you know, Peter O'Toole. Yeah. You know, you, you got McDowell in it coming off of, like, you know, Clockwork Orange and things like that, and you're just like...
0: Well, is yes, I was... Quite a far away from Clockwork Orange. Well, it was he, like seven years removed. He had still built, been building up quite a career for himself. As a, a he's a bit of a renegade actor. He always has yeah. been, and uh, so
1: fitting choice, I think.
0: But still, he was a pretty big name at the time.
1: But for a movie that opens with the credit, Penthouse Productions presents. <laughs> yeah, and then to see these actors' names, you're just like, kind of blown away by that. Totally.
0: Yeah, so so we're looking at this cast, and then um, we start to meet some of the side characters. After this, um, we get to meet Macro, who's um, kind of like the right hand man of. He's kind of like Caligula's buddy, and he's like this kind of strapping Italian actor um, um, who I'll talk more about later. Um, we've also got Claudius, who's like Caligula's. He's actually so Caligula's. Um, he's like a prince he's he's a prince he's kind of like going to be the heir to the throne of tiberius even though he's not tiberius's natural son he's an adopted son claudius is this is the actual son of tiberius but he's kind of i think they call him a half-wit he's not uh he's not really he's not really like the type that should be taking over as the emperor of rome
1: so so tiberius is the caesar Yes. And Caesar kind of in our terms would be like the emperor. Yes. So just and so, played by Peter O'Toole, just so we can lay that out there, just so people kind of get the lay of the land on yeah,
0: that. He's like the ruler of the Roman empire. And um, so we're sort of seeing like the, the bit of a power struggle in, in that we've got Tiberius, we've got Caligula who's wanting to take, he's next in line, who wants to take over. We've got Claudius who's not going to take over. He's just, he's kind of like set dressing throughout most of the film and then we've got Jamalis, who's is like this creepy kid who's too young to take over the throne, but again is is probably more of the rightful heir than Caligula is. But man, that that guy was creepy, eh? like Jamalis. Like something about him, like he's because he's young, but he's like I don't know. I, I don't know what it was about Jamalis, but there's something really. He's he's really ugly for for starters, and just just something. I I found I
1: found a lot of people in this movie to be creepy, though. To be honest with you,
0: yeah. So we we get the our first kind of real set piece scene, which is and it's also where we meet Tiberius, who's played by Peter O'Toole, and this is a scene in in Tiberius's sort of playpen swimming pool. Well,
1: well, let's just say first of all, (laughs) when when this movie started. Before that scene, there was just scenes of, like, Caligula, like, kind of interacting with people and everything. And I'm watching it. I'm thinking, is he supposed to be, like, acting like he's on heavy drugs or something? Because, you know, he's really selling that like he's on heavy drugs or something. Like, I found his... I found him to be... Already, I got the sense from Malcolm McDowell's performance that this Caligula, I was not right in the head. And I know that was the point, but I'm just like, I wrote down like that. He's like, is this his his excuse to like fake bone chicks acting all drugged out or something? Because he just seems to be like his one quest in the beginning of this movie is just to like bone as many girls as possible. Is he? Who's he boning? Like, I don't remember the exact thing, but it's like I wrote down McDowell's acting all druggy. His excuse to fake bone chicks? With a question mark. Hmm. So obviously he tried to sometime in the beginning of this movie. Because he's trying to get... He's with Drusilla like for the most of the, yeah. his sister through
0: most of the opening But scenes. I also
1: noticed that the movie was trying to look very epic in scale at first. Because and it, it was. I mean, you you know, the production it had, design. The production design and the costumes, costumes you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well... I'm not really hugely into historical movies, but, you know, this this could have potential. I mean, in 1979, a budget of $18 million is a pretty high budget, really, for a movie made by Penthouse.
0: Yeah, and the production design was interesting as well because, I mean, uh, um, one of my favorite production designers ever is Ken Adam, and Ken Adam did um, a lot of the Bond films. Um, you haven't seen a lot of them yet, but, I mean, like Goldfinger, Doctor No, like a lot of the Moonraker, I believe, but a lot of the kind of really famous Bond films, like Ken Adams, responsible for those. Uh, he's also responsible for things like the um, the War Room and Doctor Strange Love. So a lot of those really giant epic sets mm-hmm. were Ken Adam, and, and I always, I can almost tell like when I'm watching a movie if he was behind it. But one movie that he was behind that he's not really that known for is Cell on Kitty, which is um, one of Tinto Brass's movies before Caligula, which is is really quite a good movie, in my opinion. And and again, you can really tell that Ken Adam was behind those production designs. I believe that he was initially involved with Caligula and decided he didn't want to move forward with it. And that's when... um, uh, uh dan daniel danielo uh, D- donati um danielo donati became the production designer costume designer basically the designer of this whole movie but i i think you know there was a real desire to have this real epic scale to everything and um and again, one of the scenes later we'll learn that it was you know one of the biggest sets ever constructed at that time um i think the sound stages for this movie i think it was something like 3 football fields or something was the uh the um size of like how much this thing took up in scale but yeah so we get to this um we get to this first scene which is one of the main, like uh, the first main
1: Big. Set. This was the first time <laughs> that I said in my brain, What the fuck? Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Because <laughs> it's like they go into this almost like this bathhouse kind of thing. So it's kind of like this big giant pool. Yeah. And all around the outskirts of this pool are naked women with fucking crying babies. Yeah. They're just holding yeah. them. And then, like. <laughs> they- <laughs> I'm just like, and then there's people swimming in this pool, and fucking Peter O'Toole's character Tiberius is like, my little fishies, and all this. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah,
0: and really kind of disturbing, like the the nudity in this in this particular sequence. Well, especially well because there's
1: babies in it.
0: Well, and also a lot of the the naked people seem particularly young. Now yeah. I know that they were all of age in this when the this movie was shot. But they just, the, they, they were selected clearly to look really young, which was quite disturbing. And it really, I I don't know what it was trying to say about Tiberius's character, um, but it's, I mean, Tiberius's character is a dick. We we do know that. Um, and I think it does, it is trying to establish that he was into guys and girls. That's clearly established. Well, but it's. Judging from the cock close-ups. Yes, <laughs> but it's also implying that maybe he was into young people yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. And But yeah, it's very weird how he's calling them as little fishies, and the makeup on O'Toole is just...
1: Yeah, I actually didn't even recognize him at yeah. first, because I'm watching it, and I'm like, wait a minute, is that Peter O'Toole there? And then it took me a while, because they gave him all these like syphilitic sores all yeah. over him and everything and i actually kind of thought that was kind of i i kind of liked that yeah because it, it made him even more scuzzy than i guess he was supposed to be
0: and he's underwater at the time too yeah like when he comes out when he's introduced in the, in the pool yeah and uh yeah so he's a little hard to recognize But um, he obviously doesn't really like Caligula very much. So, uh, you know, a lot of this scene, like there's a point in the scene where he like intentionally humiliates Caligula by making him do this uh, dance that he, uh, I I guess, did when he was a child. And he has he's like basically forced to do this dance. It's also when uh, Caligula's nickname starts getting used, Little Boots. Um, so O'Toole uses it a bit here and uh, Drusilla uses it throughout the movie. Um, and Little Boots is actually the, um, I think, the English translation of the Latin word Caligula. Um, so I think that's where that comes from. Um, but I believe that was also his, that was his name in in, um, in real life as well. I think that was also his nickname in real life. So, you know, this scene also has John Keelgood sort of just standing around in the background, just... I think he actually kind standing of
1: standing en- in the background, looking embarrassed.
0: Looking embarrassed, but I think he actually kind of enjoyed. Gilgit's take on this movie is quite interesting, and I think he actually kind of liked it. And in, in, in well, he's got to see all these
1: naked people.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, it's quite quite
1: the weird scene. And um, yeah, and and. and- during this scene, I'm like, I didn't recognize O'Toole. And then from there on, because he's like third build in this movie, right? Yeah. And he honestly isn't in it that much, to be honest. No, he's,
0: neither is Gilgit, but, but they, um, they are in it,
1: right? <laughs> I just felt like he was tumbling his way through this movie like he was a massive drunk, to be honest with you. Yeah, and he wasn't drinking on this movie. I know, but that's the kind of like attitude i got from his acting in this movie it just felt like he was like super super hammered through this whole movie he did oh man he did so for
0: from this um swimming pool sequence we go to this other we go to the next set which is like it was kind of like this like almost it almost felt like this kind of like perverse hell scene it was kind of
1: like a a brothel meets Uh, the seven circles of hell. (laughs) Yeah, it really did. Like, so it's got all these, like, like the, the scene opens up
0: and it's like this, like three tiered set, um, with all these weird sex acts going on throughout. Um, we've got like, you know, someone's walking around on stilts. There's a lot of like deformed people and like dwarves running around and,
1: and And these would show up later too. What's that? They show up later in the movie too. yeah. Yeah, they
0: do. Sorry little people
1: Well and, not even that Like just deformities And stuff show up Later in the movie
0: Yeah And
1: and this is why Also when Like
0: the beginning Of the scene Is also where we get One of One of our More memorable sequences Where um, <laughs> a, a guard is um, Accused of being Drunk so um Macro goes over um at uh, Tiberius's <laughs> order and lifts up the um loin cloth of this chap and uh ties a string around his penis <laughs> and um then they put a funnel down his throat and start filling him up with wine. Yeah. Um and then they the scene cuts away to
1: some other stuff and then they Yeah, no, cut- no, the scene cuts away to uh a lot of people just make it out in the background. It cuts away to like, you know, Girls like fake jerking off with dildos and stuff, and like t- feeling themselves up and everything. There was a lot of this in this scene, and too. It's,
0: again, like not sexy. This is no, it's it's quite kind of disturbing, and it's just yeah, like this kind of onslaught of just perversion. And just every everywhere you look, and every 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 time you because O'Toole and McDowell are kind of walking, yeah, they're this. having a serious
1: conversation, yeah, but everywhere I,
0: you look, there's something weird going on in the background. And um, I don't think there's any hardcore in this scene, but um, there's enough weirdness going on. and, And there's a few times where I caught McDowell, like they'd be walking by something and even he'd be looking at like the whatever was going on beside him like what the fuck like i don't know if that was a conscious choice as an actor
1: probably not or
0: yeah it it really felt like he was really like what the hell (laughs) is that what's going on right beside and this is
1: also one of the many many moments this movie decides to use genital close-ups to its advantage there's a lot of genital close-ups in this movie yeah Yeah Wow
0: There is It's like Cock City And um And Vagina City As well Yeah yeah. It's like Equal Opportunity Genitals Yeah There's a lot Going on here Um So there This There's just a lot Of like Um You know Um Tiberius Sort of explaining To Caligula The way things work And um You know That you You know He's kind of giving him Like all these Kind of little Like life lessons On what it's like To be a Emperor um then anyway they come back down from like their little tour of perversion back to the guard that had his dick tied up and uh (laughs) and then O'Toole like just for no reason just takes his sword and stabs this this guard i guess the idea is he drank so much that he couldn't piss it out so when he stabs him all the wine just yeah I, i i was just like this that scene was dumb it was dumb, but it was one of those first kind of over-the-top scenes that you, you'll you
1: remember. You'll always remember that scene. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah. it, I'm just like, I'm when I'm watching it, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why'd they tie a, a knot in his dick? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what's going on? Now they're forced to one. wine. I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. But then it took me a while to actually figure out that after they stabbed him in the gut and all the wine spilled out, I was like took me a while to figure out that the reason they tied the knot in his junk (laughs) was so that he couldn't pee it out, so that he would get all bloated and be like that. And I was like, in the grand scheme of things, why did he do that? Like, why did he have to kill the dude if he got caught being drunk?
0: Well, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, if you start to, you know, this is sort of a running theme throughout this movie. If you start to really think about it, like, there's no way that wine could have went through his system that fast where he could have peed anyways.
1: Well yeah, you're like
0: like it's only like 10 minutes. Right? Yeah, you're so, not, not
1: going to be like oh man, I just drank like so much wine I got to pee so bad. Yeah, like
0: your body just doesn't work like that. So all the wine still would have been in the stomach without the Dick tying, but <laughs> we did need a cock
1: close up. So um, um, <laughs> they needed a cock close up, an uncomfortable cock it had close been, up. It had been two minutes, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it was
0: it was it is kind of one of those first sort of standout scenes. You do remember the scene, believe me. You don't understand it, but you remember it. Yeah, you do remember it. So. Um, the next thing that happens, you know, and there's little things that are said here, like you know, um, um one one thing that Tiberius says to Caligula's senators are the natural enemy of of any Caesar. So you know, he's just giving him little tidbits like this throughout, and a lot of the things you know do kind of come come true later on and he sort of predicts you know like you know when you're emperor you're going to try and kill me and then someone else is going to kill you blah 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 so it's just all, a lot of that type of stuff I'll, i don't know if we really learn a lot but i, I still like i wasn't i'm not i wasn't bored in the scene because there's just so much shit to look at you're just like it's it's you know because you're just sort of getting into this movie and i think you're just the average viewer
1: is just going to be like
0: overwhelmed by this whole thing at this point because it's just so much going on well when
1: i was watching it this is like the first 20 minutes of this movie or so and i'm already like i'm already like freaked out by this movie (laughs) because i'm like they go from this pool scene that i'm just like this is weird to like just this room of decadent sin and i'm like you know tying some guy's fucking dick up and cutting them open (laughs) i'm like while they're having this serious conversation, and there's people like you know jamming dildos in themselves and everything, I'm like, I'm like, this is not a movie that I would ever expect to see Peter O'Toole in in my lifetime. He's Lawrence of fucking Arabia for shit's sake,
0: <laughs> and it's not a movie we're ever going to see again. Like that's another thing that makes this movie kind of unique. You'll never ever see this again. I no. guarantee you. But especially gosh.
1: in today's day and age, right? Well, especially. Man, I I cannot imagine what a uh, what a millennial would think of this. Movie. <laughs> Millennials yeah. get upset about people posting like a simple word like, you know, gay online. So, uh I hate to see the reaction to this. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, um from here on, out, we um okay, so next Gilgit takes his exit. Um, you know, I... um Basically, uh, his character kills himself. Um, now, this is where you're kind of it kind of begs the question: like, why was his character even there in the first place? Gilgood's character really serves no purpose in this movie, other well, than to have a Shakespearean actor in the movie.
1: Well, ju- just gotta say, like, you know, how you're saying how like um, he explains about senators a little bit and stuff yep. while they're going through this den of inequity. Um, I'm not really that. Um, knowledgeable about you know Greek mythology and and all that kind of like Roman stuff like things like that, but even after this movie, I'm still not because it's like they did not really explain anything. Like you're, ex- I felt I felt like they were throwing all this political stuff at you and all this stuff about Caesars and you know all this yeah. stuff, and I'm just like still kind of confused by it because I'm like. I'm not quite sure what this guy's relationship is to this guy. I don't know why this guy's doing this and this and this and I felt that way through the whole movie. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just the editing that caused this to happen or the writing, like I couldn't put a finger on why it was so up and down confusing to me. Yeah. Cuz like if you're not familiar if you're not familiar with that stuff particularly, you do like a little bit more exposition. So you at least have a general idea of what's going on, especially when it's a historical film where you're talking about a structure of government that is much different than you know about. Well, I think the whole point of this is to give you like the most
0: basic of structure, and I think that's what maybe O'Toole's character, like Tiberius, could be. But I still for. was confused. It's like you're going to be Caesar. You're 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 in line to be Caesar. the The general thing is that. You're probably gonna kill me because you want my power. Yeah. Someone else is probably gonna kill you. The Senate's bad. <laughs> Watch your
1: back. That's I know <laughs> it was so basic, but I still was yeah. a little bit confused.
0: Yeah. But that's pretty much what he was saying yeah, there. Yeah. Then when we get to good, we don't really I don't really know what what the character was there for. Um, other than in this death scene, it's where we really kind of see Caligula's ugly side first come out. Because as this guy is dying, um, Caligula is just wondering what it's like to be dying. <laughs> like he just starts asking him, "What's what's it like to be dying?" Yeah. But then he starts asking him if he's seeing Isis, and I'm like, "What the fuck? Like that's isn't that Egyptian mythology? Like why are you talking?" I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So I, I I don't know if they were mixed up. I don't know if that's like some subplot or some, you know, something that we didn't that got cut out that we're not understanding. So that that's where I was getting a little confused. And then he pretty much kills like finishes this guy off so you're kind of seeing this guy's got no compassion he's just kind of a yeah a bit of a you know misanthrope and he um is just more concerned with un, you know figuring out what death's like than worrying about the fact that this guy's dying yeah um so from from here we we this is when caligula starts to get a bit power hungry and he pretty much hatches a plan with macro who 's this right hand guy who 's also a some sort of like military commander, I think I think he might be T- tiberius 's military guy like his...
1: I got the impression that he was like the head guard,
0: yeah yeah, so but he he 's buddies with Caligula, and he basically swears you know it 's established that type um, macro is going to help Caligula take power. Um so that 's what he does he goes uh they go and uh t- 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 Tiberius is quite ill, and they end up killing him so Caligula can become the emperor and This is kind of a disturbing scene as well i, I Another image from this movie that always sticks in my mind is uh o 'Toole's corpse after the um after he 's suffocated with that um weird cloth over his face um that 's another image that 's kind of stuck with me. Um, and through this all, Jamalis is watching um but it doesn't seem to really matter that much that they were seen and i I never really got that either um but the whole death scene of Tiberius um yeah it was was kind of kind of disturbing, but necessary to move the plot forward um then we get to um the funeral, and this is where I found. This is where Caligula really, or McDowell, I might say, sort of starts to come into his own and starts to embrace the character. And uh, this is where he first starts, uh, you know, you first start seeing that he like is liking the power and he starts, like, you know, taking control of yeah. the character and the film.
1: Yeah, because up to this point, all I thought Caligula wanted to do was fucking marry his sister. Which he does. But... Now you're kind of seeing, okay, so so he's actually kind of getting power hungry. And you're right. This is where McDowell kind of like, he kind of drifted through the beginning of this movie as Caligula. Like, you know, he was just kind of like, seemed like this curious young dude. And, you know, like I said, he wanted to like, you know, shack up with his sister. But he was also like, he was just like there to be like staring at this S&M like torture scene for no reason. And just like... He was kind of window dressing for the first little bit of this movie, really. Yeah, you know, and 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 you're right. This after O'Toole's character dies, he does kind of start going on that path of like mental disorder. Yeah, and that's when his he as a character, like I've really thought McDowell started to sell this. Yeah, and like I've I'm going to tell you, like he's my favorite thing about this movie, no doubt. Oh, no question. So. You know, he did start to sell it at this point. You could see that they were trying to take it down this path of, like, mental instability. Yeah. But I was just like... At the time, I'm like, okay, this is kind of a clumsy movie still. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it's clumsy. The structure is really bad, you know, and I was just like... I felt up to this point, the movie had been clipping along really good. I wasn't bored. I was kind of like, okay, there's enough here going on. Uh, There's enough going on in the background that I can focus on. Where I'm just like, you've got like real actors in front of these people, like, you know, doing really perverse things. So you know, there was still that to keep me in this movie. So it's like at this point, I'm still kind of like on board.
0: Yeah, and um, so this movie then takes a bit of a turn because. Um, Caligula decides to give up Macro um, so basically sells out the guy that helped him now again we don't really understand why he's
1: doing this well because the plot does ping pong all over the fucking place
0: yeah so like why why does he sell out his friend um, who helped him gain power like there's not really a reason other than the fact that Drusilla sort of implies that Macro kind of owned like kind of ran things f- when Tiberius was in power and that he she didn't she should. he shouldn't let the same thing happen again. But which is also kind of weird because up to this point and throughout the rest of the movie, I found the Drusilla character um, kind of the grounding character that kind of, like the more, almost moral compass. But she does a few things like this that I thought were completely out of character for her.
1: Well, yeah, there's a scene later in the movie where she's totally just used to be like the one who calms Caligula down. Yeah.
0: Like she does that a lot and for him, for her to basically tell him to off his best friend yeah. seemed really out of character for her. So right. I'm not sure what the, the deal was with that. Now, is
1: this does this happen like after his uh, induction speech and everything? Because yes. like, I gotta ask you. Okay, so he's given his induction speech and he's acting a little flighty when he's doing it and everything like that. And there's a scene where he like snorts <laughs> something out of his hand. An onion. Is that what that is? Because I was like, what the fuck is he snorting?
0: No, it's because, yeah, because, but again, it's not really explained, like, why Drusilla happens to have this onion in her hand. I was just
1: wondering what it was, because it looked like a powdery thing. I'm like, is he fucking snorting coke no, he in, snorting, like, Rome? Like, he was what snorting fuck? an onion so okay. he could cry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. They didn't explain that, so yeah. I was like, he snorted something, but I don't know what it was. Yeah, no, he's snorting an onion. Oh, okay. So he does quite a
0: good, yeah, a good induction speech, like we said. starts coming to come and his own. Then gives up macro and what was also this is yeah and like this is where when McDonald's starting to shine you know because he really is starting to you know he's starting to kind of get a bit playful in a really mean spirited kind of way yeah but it's what makes this character pretty interesting to watch but he gives up macro in kind of a funny way and and um and you see he's really starting to gain power because he's able to get the army to take their own commander in into custody then we get one of the biggest one of the big um, another kind of epic scene that again is pretty hard to forget and uh, <laughs> it's this giant
1: set hang on is this are you talking about the blade part yes okay so before, I would just want to mention that before this happens there was a scene in it that I wrote down this is all I wrote down for the scene is yay for come close-ups into a gold cup. Because there's a character who comes into a gold cup before someone drinks it. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I... I don't remember that one. I remember it. (laughs) (laughs) And then Helen Mirren's character... uh, What's her name in this movie now? Sisonia? Sisonia shows up and she's kind of like a prostitute, I got the impression. That's after this part. I've got it written up that it's before the spinning blades. scene. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. She shows up and <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, apparently yeah. the biggest slut in all of Rome. And, and, like, McDowell has his way with her. He, like, doggy styles her. And I'm like, well, that's what an Oscar winner should be doing right now. <laughs> is she should be getting doggy styled by Malcolm McDowell? Right.
0: Yeah. Because so, the, the reason for that is because Drusilla is impl- it, like Caligula wants to marry a sister. Yeah. And again, like we talked about, she's, he, he, she she needs saying, to no, kind of no, you can't marry yeah. me. You've you got to make it look like
1: you're interested in her.
0: Yeah. You got to marry her, and you've got to have an heir to your throne. Yeah. So you have to marry someone else, even though you can keep banging me. Yeah. <laughs> the, another interesting thing about the Drusilla character, I just forgot about this early on in this movie it's established that she has a husband or something i don't remember that i don't remember that which i also thought was really weird because it seems in the you know when you're watching the movie it seems like she's single but no no she's got some guy there's an awful lot about this movie
1: (laughs) that doesn't make sense though i I, the structure and the uh, scripting is really off at times
0: yeah but like yeah like chris said um we get to meet um Helen Mirren's character, Sazonia.
1: It... Yeah, the first time we meet her, she's in a see-through dress. And I didn't think that would ever happen with Helen Mirren. <laughs> I didn't like her in this movie at all. No, like... she wasn't really... I didn't find her... To, I actually liked... Um, what was her name now? I've got to look at my notes here. Uh, Adriana Asti is as Enya. Yeah. I actually liked her a lot better than... Than the Helen Mirren character, because she was another one of those women who was like kind of off to Caligula's side, who was kind of guiding him as a Caesar in a way. Well, she
0: was Macro's wife.
1: Yeah, but she was also kind of like, she was flirting with Caligula. She was more into him than she was into her actual husband. And I feel like she kind of influenced him a lot during the movie too. Yeah. Cause you know, he'd go over and talk to her and she'd kind of whisper stuff to him. And I thought she was a lot more of an interesting character than the Helen Mirren character.
0: Yeah. I, the Helen Mirren, like I, I think she did fine, but I thought her character was just not very likable and she just didn't really do anything. Well, she has that sweet dance later. Yeah. We'll talk about the dance <laughs> in, a, in a few minutes. So, um, yeah, so so now Caligula's got his girl, and now we get to the the big scene where it's yeah, the Mac- Colosseum
1: scene, as I call it.
0: So Macro's death. Yeah. So this is um, so they built this like giant. It's in a Colosseum, and there's this giant. I think it's a three story like wall with like people on it that yeah. like sort of um inches its way along.
1: The yeah, it's floor- like a spiked fucking like it's like. It's like uh, one of those – you know how in all those adventure movies, they have those walls that close in with the spikes them yeah. and them when you meet in the middle, you're dead? It's kind of like that. Well, there's yeah. people standing on it, and it's like rolling slowly. Yeah, it's ground.
0: Like giant rolling wall, but at the bottom of the wall are two giant spinning blades like a lawnmower. Yeah. And <laughs> in front of the wall, like as this thing's inching across the floor of the Coliseum – Buried in the floor of the Coliseum where all the people that are going to be executed. Yeah, and buried up to their necks. Buried up to their neck. Getting
1: fucking potatoes thrown at their faces and shit. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Th- that's the uh, part of the entertainment for the emperor and his oh yeah, Caligula crony loves that shit. Is they throw potatoes at the heads of these people who are about to get their heads chopped off by this giant head chopping machine.
1: And this is the first of the gore scenes, really. Uh, technically, yeah. And I found that it looked really fake.
0: It did look really fake, but goddamn it, we the idea pre- about that machine is pretty now. fucking cool. It's pretty cool. Like I gotta even admit, though it looks stupid. It's. It's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> like, I've, if I had enemies that I wanted to get rid of, I wouldn't mind burying them up to their neck and you know running this thing over them or something. But yeah, it's it's a cool idea, executed a little bit sloppily. But executed sloppily are two Dude, main words I'm going to talk never about this entire see anything like this. Probably not, but no. I'm just saying it's it's. It's a little sloppy.
0: It's like Motel Hell meets Dead Alive or something <laughs> with a giant lawnmower. I just
1: like the fact that like the fucking townspeople are riding on it. Like, <laughs> I know. I <laughs> really wish they. What was use- the purpose of the spikes on the front of it too? Like they had these giant spikes midway up the wall. Like the people are buried to their necks. <laughs> you don't need these spikes. There's no. no one standing up that you have to pierce. Why is a spike here? It feel and it just it's such a
0: huge set. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, they had to, like, why didn't they use this more? Yeah. Like, it's because it's literally in this one scene and then we don't see this again.
1: Yeah, it's like the first thing you see in this scene is like the threshing blade chopping someone's <laughs> head off. Yeah. <laughs> and then it pans up and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And then Kaluga's like laughing his ass off up in the friggin' booth thing up yeah. there and like throwing potatoes at people's faces. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, I- I'm down with this scene, I think.
0: It's quite the scene. It is it's. it's um, it is pretty memorable. It's something else. Yeah. It's not CG. Like, this is a real thing <laughs> <laughs> that they built. But it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. So from this scene, we, um, I'm just, I, I might be skipping things over, but I'm just trying to get some of the main stuff. Then we get to the, this wedding scene. Um, and this is a scene that also is... Yeah, and uh, this is, so from from this point on, it's just sort of like one thing after another in this movie. This is
1: the steaming vagina scene. Yeah,
0: so we get to this. So we get to the scene, and and uh, Caligula, oh, hang
1: on, hang on. Before you get this, is it during is it during the wedding scene that he does the the virgin check? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keep going. That's the wedding scene. Okay. So yeah, earlier on in the movie, <laughs> Caligula
0: sort of looks at this woman and decides that I, I can't remember if she looks at Hammer... Or his, her husband-to-be, but finds out this woman's a virgin. (laughs) And then, so he then decides to crash their wedding. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Of this man and this woman that are getting married. This is
1: probably the most memorable scene for me in the entire movie. And this is a
0: real, like, and it's a real, (laughs) like, this is just all establishing what a prick Caligula is. It's just
1: so wrong. Yeah, and
0: it's, it's really, it really, it really is a
1: dick movie. this scene actually was the most disturbing moment for me i think
0: yeah so we get to this um wedding and caligula and and Drusilla drusilla's there too and they they all kind of crashed this wedding and uh caligula um starts to say to the bride and groom that he's he wants to give them a gift yeah. so he he then decides to take them into... The, he asks where the royal bedroom is, and it's not there. So he basically is like, well, the kitchen will have to do. So he takes them both into the kitchen and closes the door. Um, at this point, is this is actually a kind of a turning point in the movie because we do see that Drusilla is not happy with how he's acting. So we do, you know, the moral compass again. She's not cool with what's going on. Cesaria Helen Mirren does seem to be okay with it, though. So then he decides... Caligula has these these this couple in the kitchen, and they're both virgins. And he proceeds to then he doesn't
1: believe them.
0: Well, I think he might believe them, but he's he, like,
1: I got to do the virgin check.
0: He got he has to do the virgin check, which basically means, I I guess for lack of a better term, raping the bride.
1: Well, yeah, like he like. Uh, he like throws her on he gets her to undress throws her on it on the counter top yeah. and then basically spreads her legs and is like looking to see if he can see signs yeah. of her yeah. being a virgin like he's just like he's just kind of examining and then he like basically rapes her like yes. he throws this robe up and he's like does his business while the husband looks on freaking in terror and up like screaming like get away from her right and I, this is why i'm disturbed by this scene because i mean caligula is just like keep your eyes watch watch he's what like doing. just watch what i'm doing watch what i'm doing and then and then when he's finished he's like he like puts his hand there and it comes away bloody he's like oh damn she was a virgin and yeah it's so, like oh my god <laughs> so we're really establishing what an asshole this guy oh, is total total and it
0: is yeah it's a pretty disturbing mm. this was the moment scene. where i'm
1: like i'm i'm a little bit Disturbed right <laughs> So
0: then So then he decides But then it gets worse um, That he wants to check If they're both virgins so Oh fuck He gets um, The husband Proculus Up on uh, All fours On the table And examines <laughs> his butt And then um, Sort of does the same thing With him He doesn't Dude he fucking him. Fist him. He, he fists him He fists
1: <laughs> him Don't he, fucking <laughs> Don't gloss his shit over He fucking Basically bases his fucking hand In grease And fists him
0: he does. He fists them.
1: <laughs> Shit.
0: That's funny because I was listening to another podcast about Caligula, and the the um, it's not funny, but uh, the the host of that podcast also mentioned that, and I have a very similar memory that Caligula <laughs> lost his ring in that scene and had
1: to retrieve it. I think he did, but that didn't happen, didn't it? No. Oh, maybe they're just thinking of all the stories of people losing their watches See, and stuff. You just thought
0: it too, and it's like that did not happen. And I you know, just remember him like
1: reaching in multiple times. Maybe that's what it was. No, he
0: reached in. He did the initial. He did the two thrust. finger check. No, he did the initial thrust, and then he greased up. No, and then he, he greased up. Yeah, did the thrust.
1: I can't believe we're fucking talking about this. Pulled right it now.
0: out and then sort of wiped off his hand, and then put the little
1: flower on the top of the grease Mm. and that was the end of the scene but anyway yeah did he like smell his hand too or am i just imagining that i I don't know it's It's so fucking bizarre and and wrong
0: it's pretty wrong (laughs) now this is one of those scenes though like it's kind of like
1: i'm never gonna forget the scene so i guess it works and
0: you know it's one of those scenes where you like immediately and obviously immediately it's way worse than it actually is i mean the act of what he does is pretty bad but it's just one of those things that's just so like, oh my god, that <laughs> your your brain almost can't even process it and makes it way more fucked up than it already than it
1: is. <laughs> Could be, but because because like okay, fair enough. He's given the girl the virgin check, but then when she he told the guy to get on all fours on the table, I'm like this ain't gonna fucking happen. I'm like he's 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 not gonna like fucking. There's no buggery going on in this movie, is there? Well.
0: There but, was supposed to be buggery, but then when he
1: greased up, I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Well,
0: that that, that kind of shows you what the movie was because I mean, there was like he was supposed to to basically anally rape the guy, yeah, and McDowell refused, so this was the compromise. The compromise. <laughs> That's a hell of a
1: compromise, right there.
0: Yeah, but I mean, okay. So what we're what this scene does though is it really, um any kind of like sympathy you have towards Caligula is gone. Like yeah. he, he just loses you. So I, I don't really know why, like, cause the scene doesn't really like, I've never, I never thought of him as that much of an asshole until the scene. And I didn't really feel like he was that much of an asshole after the scene. I thought he was unhinged. right? I mean, you know, he gives up macro, but I just never thought of him as like a real sadistic prick, right? But this scene, it was just like really over the top as far as being a total dink. So I, I don't really understand what the purpose, again, was. Now, again, editing problems, probably there was reasoning for this in Brass's mind, but I don't know what it was. So, from here, um, we then have a scene where Caligula is starting to lose his mind a bit. So, um, he does this, he wakes up in the middle of the night, kind of having a nightmare, and kind of goes a bit crazy, and takes off all his clothes, and goes out into the rain, and does the little boot stance he had to do for Tiberius earlier, um, which... I thought was kind of weird. And then he proceeds to have a three-way with <laughs> with Drusilla and Sazonia. And again, like, like yeah, like, again, another scene where you're just kind of like, what the fuck was that for? Like, doesn't really move the plot forward. Like, I already knew that he has a thing for Drusilla and that he's got a thing for Sazonia. So we didn't really need to see a three-way between them because they've been it's already kind of implied that that's going on anyway. And um, I don't really know what the point of him dancing around in the rain was other than to show McDowell's penis. And let's just say that
1: we're talking about all this uh, sexual stuff in this movie. Absolutely, positively, none of it is erotic.
0: No, like even a lesbian scene with uh, Teresa Anne Savoy and Helen Mirren can't. Isn't, yeah. isn't erotic.
1: <laughs> Absolutely nothing is erotic in this movie.
0: Now, was this the... Okay, so this was also the point at which one of the inserts that Guccione made...
1: Yeah, is this when the girls were watching through the... Yes. So, so, so Caligula has this white face kind of statuette on the wall of his bedroom, and in the mouth is kind of like a peephole. Yeah. And earlier in the movie, there was a scene where like Caligula was in his bedroom, and he he notices some sound coming from over there. And when he looks in, he sees some girl giving a guy a giving a guy a blowjob. It was actually a guy giving. Was the guy giving? Okay, I'm it's not. A guy hungry. giving a guy. A okay, yeah. but he chases them off. Yeah. So they bring it back around in this scene where they have two girls who get turned on by this lesbian scene that's going on. But like Josh said, this is a total insert shot. Yeah. Talk a bit about more about that. Yeah.
0: So they're supposedly being turned on by the whole three way with Sazonia, Caligula and Drusilla. And so, yeah, this is an insert shot. So this is one of the scenes that Guccione shot after hours or on weekends when no one was around. He basically took his skeleton crew in without brass's knowledge and shot these scenes with a bunch of, he brought a bunch of penthouse pets over from the States and uh, and they they filmed these scenes. Now, I am going to talk a little bit about this scene in particular because it really kind of shows just kind of the fucked upness behind the scenes. So, the two involved in this scene were um, Annika DeLorenzo and Lori Wagner. And Wagner's come out, um, well, both of them have expressed a lot of dismay about this movie uh, Wagner's been quite vocal about it and Lorenzo um, actually sued the production sued Guccione for sexual harassment um, partially to do because of the scene and, and other things that happened um, that happened but uh, he, he pretty much had these girls over in Italy in a foreign country um, kind of you know, dependent on him, and I don't think they when they when they were going over, they really knew they were signing up to be doing hardcore porn, and um, so I think when they were told they had to do this, it was really kind of under duress and not something they wanted to do. So this scene in particular was really not. I mean, especially when you know this stuff, these girls were um, particularly Lori Wagner, we're not into it at all. Um, like from what I understand, Wagner like had to like pretty much drink herself into a stupor to to do the scene. So she was completely loaded when they did this to get through it. She was like apparently vomiting right before the camera was turned on and then apparently, like, running to her dressing room sobbing afterwards, and it just really kind of brings on, like, a dark tone to all this, and, um, I mean, I didn't think this was sexy even before mm, no, knowing no. all this, No, no, no but no. knowing all that, this is not sexy stuff at all, and it's really quite dark and sinister, so this this scene in particular I find quite disturbing for more for the reality behind it than than what's actually being seen, so... Yeah, this scene's pretty fucked up, I th- I think, personally. And it's it's very graphic. And,
1: uh, you know, for
0: no reason. Like, there was no need to have that
1: there. For a movie that is so perverse and has so much of this sexuality behind it, it's probably the most unsexy thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's pretty,
1: yeah. Like, no, absolute, I can't see anybody getting any sort of cheap thrills from this movie yeah and and i feel like that's what Guccione was trying to do it's well i
0: mean i think if we're going from a p- p- purely like pornographic point of view yeah not knowing the behind the scenes stuff i'd say this scene would be probably the only one that
1: was slightly sexy. I didn't know anything about it when I watched it, and I didn't really get anything out of it. But like the um, like the brothel stuff later on, I didn't find like
0: right. There wasn't even a cha- like at least this one. There was a little bit of a continuity to it because right. the rest of it is just shot like shot of cock and cock and cock, cock 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 cock. But this <laughs> one, <laughs> this one at least had. A, you know, at least it had like two minutes of the same people on the yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it is, yeah. Like I said, I mean, just with the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's pretty dark. Um, okay. So from here on, we we um we get to a scene where Caligula gets really ill. He gets a fever, and um, you know, it it gets kind of weird. He like thinks that his horse is Drusilla, and then he like um basically pukes um and then is ends up in bed and his horse is there with him he also it's, it's around this scene as well where he um i can't remember when it happens but he um gets into a fight with drusilla and she calls him an amateur um which it's pretty much uh, grounds for treason um but he obviously isn't going to kill his sister but it it is kind of a breaking point for the two of them So he ends up getting really sick and um, uh, pretty much what happens is he's got the fever and he's kind of on the verge of death. Drusilla comes to his side to um, care for him in the process of which she ends up giving herself the fever which again was a scene that I was just like, really? Like, what the fuck? Why would she do that? (laughs) Um, Now, I guess it's supposed to show that the love for... The love between the two of them is what we're trying to establish here but um too bad because um she's um she's my favorite part of this movie for sure and i you know you're kind of watching the scene going fuck you know what's she doing like she's um giving herself the fever basically um from here we uh we get into some more debauchery um one of my because Caligula ends up getting better and um one you know there's there's a couple of funny scenes here like uh, in the part where Caligula is very sick there's uh one character who goes I'll offer my life if Caligula gets better basically and Caligula just perks up and looks oh really well (laughs) I'm just I just got better so guards take him away I thought that was pretty funny so it's again Malcolm McDowell just sort of really selling this role uh, there's also this uh, famous scene of where he's stamping documents and he's sort of oh, yeah, making yeah. a mockery of the whole thing. He's basically calling it r- rubbish. I think is what he says. Yeah, rubbish, 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 yeah. rubbish. It's, I, I, I always remember that scene. Um, then, then we get another scene with Proculus, the guy who uh, got the fist um, up the rear, um, and we get a little more, um, a little more. Um, What's the word for what, what happens to Proculus
1: in the scene? <laughs> I can't remember. I don't well, know what you're going for here.
0: This Well, um, yeah, I can't remember. I, I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue. But this is where um, Caligula comes into the room where Proculus is kind of strung up for some reason. And Caligula comes in with these finger bells, you know, those things that, like, belly dancers wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he starts, like, clapping those finger bells, kind of like the guy in Warriors. And then... Um, proceeds to kill proculus or have proculus killed and then um
1: oh this scene
0: yeah and then um they uh the one of the girls one of the pets um yeah ends up, i think it's Lori wagner ends up peeing on him yeah she pisses on the corpse yeah so we see her peeing and then he gets his uh dick cut off and fed to a dog
1: yeah yeah I should, wasn't it just his, his testicles or was no, it this whole thing?
0: The penis was cut off and fed to the
1: dog, okay. and then they were going to cut off the uh, testicles and send them to uh, his wife. Right, right. right. That's yeah. what it was. I knew it was one or the other because you see the dog chowing down. Yeah, yeah.
0: So again, like another one of those scenes where I'm just like, what's the point of this?
1: Like, I think the point of it was just like, oh, let's try and do something shocking. I don't know. I-
0: yeah, it really <sighs> did kind of feel like that. Um, then from there we get. Um, Caligula's daughter's born, and then immediately after, Drusilla dies.
1: Yeah, and this... Okay, seriously, she dies, and I know we're supposed to be like, oh, no, his sister died. I found this scene to be really awkward. Yeah. Because Malcolm McDowell, he like Caligula, he finds his sister dead... And he's just like groping and slobbering yeah, on it's her, really, and like really weird trying to he's like I feel like he's like trying to bring her back to life or something and i I just found it to be very awkward the way it was staged like yeah. I didn't find it to be like he was shattered by the revelation that his sister died, his one true love died. It was more like he's just slobbering on her, and like you know like she's naked and he's like groping her, and I'm just like, yeah.
0: I just it was really it was really it, aw- it was, awkward it, is a great word for it. It was really
1: it. awkward. Yeah. Like it didn't seem to be very it didn't fit the tone of the movie either really, which is kind of the case of this whole thing. There's a lot of tonal changes which didn't agree with me and this is one of those moments.
0: Yeah. Now I think it's just to show how how overcome he is, but yeah, it just but you it didn't know, work. From my eyes, it's just another reason to show Teresa and Savoy naked.
1: Well, exactly because yeah. he's just like slobbering and gro- groping her, and yeah, she's fucking dead, dude. Yeah, you don't, I don't, you know, it's just I didn't get it. It was, no. it was just like it didn't work.
0: No, I agree. It didn't it didn't work? Um, so Caligula then, then again, this this is where I start to really be like, what the fuck? Where is this going? Cause Caligula now like goes into kind of a depression yeah. and goes into almost hiding yeah. in like kind of the skid
1: row area. He goes from, to the Rome. mean streets of row.
0: Yeah. And this scene didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And it, it this, I, this is the scene I hate the most in this movie. And well, then, cause it has nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with anything. And then he ends up um, doing magic tricks with this like weird dude Who kind of looks like a troll. And then, and then they, um, and then next thing you know, he's, he goes back to the Roman Empire. It's Um, just
1: so superfluous and unnecessary. Yeah, that whole troll guy
0: becomes like his kind of like right hand man. Yeah. And like the guy, it seems like he's mute or something. And it's just really weird. Um, But okay. From here, we then go to like, this is when you know Caligula's really kind of lost his shit, but he seems to almost be trying to just piss everyone off at this point. So I don't know if he's just like I don't care anymore because my love is Drusilla dead. So it's it's almost like he's it's almost like he's like got a death wish now. Um, so he then proceeds to like first he decides to piss off his Senate by uh, having a big orgy. Um, commemorating that the the mourning period Of Drusilla's death is over So he has a big orgy on this giant boat Which is one of the biggest sets Constructed at that time And um, the orgy Consists of all the senators' wives Being turned into prostitutes
1: Yeah and it's like five dollars or whatever it is Five coins to yeah. do what you want Five coins and he just He walks around saying that And then a lot of insert shots here too
0: yeah, this is another big scene for the insert shots. And um, this is this one. This is where I really felt like the insert shots were like completely unnecessary. And they went
1: too fucking long. Yeah, because it's just. This is like a 15 minute scene at least.
0: Yeah, it's cutting between Caligula yelling five gold coins to hardcore sex inserts, which is. And none of this is sexy. We never see the guys' faces in any of the scenes. It's just like. I. No. Giant cock on the screen. It's just a chick like Man.
1: licking a cock, and yeah,
0: you know, like a lot of really close up like blowjobs, and yeah. uh, there's one girl like riding this, but it's just like a cock with something on it. Right? It's just it's either being stroked, sat on, or sucked, and it's just. <laughs> But well, it's just really, yeah, like really. What kind else do you wrong. want them to do with it, Josh? <laughs> it's just really clinical and weird, right? Like,
1: yeah, it is kind of weird. So and unsexy. And that's unsexy. A, that's the word of the day here.
0: So, um, and like Chris said earlier to me in the car, like this scene happens for about fifteen minutes, and then it's like boom, five boom, minutes, move five over. minute wrap up, everyone dies, over. Yeah. So that's Caligula.
1: Yeah, it's just like such a messy ride to the finish. And then there's like just goofy gore and then it's like, Hey, Caligula's dead, new Caesar, woo yeah. credits. Yeah. 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 So yeah.
0: So it's an experience. Yes. Um not
1: exactly a good experience for now me. I,
0: I have I've seen this movie a number of times and I do kind of enjoy it. I still do. Um, but I'm mainly enjoying McDowell's performance. <laughs> Now I do want to talk about Teresa Ann Savoy a bit because I do really like her. I think she's like the second best part of this movie.
1: I agree with you. Um, and she's she, very, she's very innocent looking in this movie. Yeah, but at the same time, she actually gives a fairly good performance. Like she does, like. It's like you said, she she goes from, like... She becomes, like, the caregiver for Caligula once he loses his mind. Yeah. And I thought that she did a pretty good job of that. I wish I wasn't, through the whole movie, just thinking of incest. The yeah. entire thing. Like, it kind of took me out of that, in a way. Like, I wasn't able to really focus on the performance as much. Because all I was thinking was, they're brother and sister, and they want to fuck. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're supposed to, like buy into this love story but it's really hard to when it's an incestuous yeah exactly love story right yeah but um she so this this she was like a british actress who had moved to italy and um had you know Mm. tried to create a name for herself there she was also a model um she was the star of sell on kitty for brass and as i mentioned earlier which is a is a really good film she really carries that film now sorry i say it's a really good film Probably a lot of people disagree with me on that. (laughs) Um, But I I do like Salon Kitty quite a bit. And I do think Teresa and Savoy carries that movie. Um, As I thought, she kind of carried this movie as well. Um, Well,
1: she was the one who actually gave the most grounded performance. Let's put it that way. That's true. Like McDowell was great. Yeah. But he was only great because he was going as much over the top as he could. Yes. Like whereas she was more like the straight man to him. Yeah. So she actually gave like a very For this movie. For this movie, it was a very muted performance.
0: Yeah. It really was. She was she was always sort of there, but yeah, she she didn't feel like gratuitous. Like she yeah. always yeah. She yeah. was she was she was she was good in this. And she and she was really good in Salon Kitty. It's unfortunate she didn't really make a lot more stuff. Like she just kinda she kind of made a few more movies in Italy, nothing where she was really a star, and then just sort of dropped out of film altogether, which is too bad. Um, this is also the the part that um, um, kind of somewhat famously um, Maria Schneider had originally been cast. Uh, Maria Schneider was the um, female lead in Last Tango in Paris, uh, starring Marlon Brando, which was also another pretty controversial film of that time period sticks of butter baby <laughs> yeah but she didn't want to make the movie because it had too much like nudity and sex so when that's, that's weird yeah now she was going through some other shit at the time <laughs> she had some other problems going on yeah but um i did think it was kind of weird and then i also think that um Catherine ross of all people was supposed to take the role i have a hard time seeing that mcdowell talked her out of it oh okay and then um, Tinto Brass brought on uh, Teresa and Savoy, which I think at the end of the day, considering Schneider and Ross, Savoy was the one that should have been playing this role. I think she was a natural at it, so I, I did like her a lot. I also want to talk a little bit about um, John Steiner. You know, he played Long, Longinus, the kind of bald guy with that mm-hmm. weird thing on his head.
1: And Longinus. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I thought, I thought, I thought john steiner's role was quite um uh uh, noticeable in this film as well um so he was kind of the main guy the main kind of um uh government guy that really kind of disliked caligula and what he was doing and kind of the main guy that was behind the plot to kill him um, but I, I thought he was fantastic in this, you know, and he was always kind of, you know, lurking around. He did kind of look like a snake. He actually had a snake at one point, but, uh, he's been in a whole bunch of movies, you know? I mean, uh, I recognize him from, um, like Cut and Run. Um, he was in that and he's, he's been in a bunch of, uh, Italian movies. Um, he was in Tenombre, a bunch of movies like that. But, uh, he, he really stood out for me in this. Um... Um, the, the, the actor who played, um, macro Guido Minari, um, he died really young at age 44. Um, he was in a movie called Brothers Blue, a spaghetti Western with Jack Palance that I've always wanted to see. Um, but he, again, like another one of these sort of actors that I thought really stood out in this movie, unfortunately didn't have a really big part. Um, I think he got cast because I believe he was the boyfriend of Franco Rossellini, but, um. He, I thought he really made an impression, and I kind of wished his role was bigger. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about? I do have a kind of a weird story about one of the pets. Um, I guess I'll just bring that up now.
1: Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll t- let's talk a little bit of just about some of the production stuff we want to talk about, and then we'll kind of do our thing we always do in these episodes our recommendations and all that at the end here. Sure.
0: So on one of the pets, uh, not Laurie Wagner, but uh, Annika Lorenzo, who was one of the pets in the lesbian scene, um, she died in 2011 and under really, this is kind of a fascinating uh, case um, if you're interested in this type of stuff, but um, apparently she, um, th- they were they, they found her car at the top of this bluff in California near San Diego and at the bottom of, it was like over top of a cliff. Um, And then there was like sand at the bottom of the bluff, at the bottom of the cliff. And then her body was found about a mile south of that sand. And it's just one of those really kind of weird, mysterious deaths that um, is quite an interesting read. And if you go to that Caligula.org site, there's an extremely lengthy article on it um, that's actually kind of disturbing how in-depth it is. But it's quite a, a fascinating thing, and quite a tragic end to someone who, it seems, had pretty tough life. I mean, uh, after Caligula, she she's the one that tried to sue um, Guccione. Um, she didn't really end up with anything, and um, and that's how she ended up. But uh, quite an interesting read if you're if you're a true crime fan. Um, yeah, and I mean, as far as the different versions go, I mean, there is the 156-minute version we've talked about. That's kind of the one that's commercially available. Now, there is an R-rated version available that's quite a bit shorter. I think it's more around the two-hour mark. But I um, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of interested how that would pan out. Like, you know, all the, all the hardcore stuff's taken out. I mean, maybe it would play better. I've always thought, well, why would you watch Caligula if you weren't going to see all that stuff? But maybe that is the way to go.
1: Well, it's like I said to you, I feel like this movie was over long already. Yeah. So maybe that version does play a little better. Maybe it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like, I think that for this movie, even though I didn't enjoy it, I did like bits and pieces of it. And I feel like if they actually got someone in there and actually like, edited it properly and made it more cohesive and made it have more continuity, it might actually be a pretty decent movie. Yeah. I mean,
0: there's like, r- there's
1: potential there. Like it, it's not like it was a low budget thing. It was made for like 18 million. Like I said, and that's a high budget for the late seventies. It was
0: the biggest, uh, highest budget independent production of, uh, uh, t- until that time.
1: So, I mean like it's got the, it's got that behind it. It's got production design behind it. It's got the actors behind it. I just feel like there's so much, so many spanners thrown into the works by producers and what have you, like Guccione and all those other guys that it just turned out to be like kind of a messy, clumsy movie that feels a lot more inept because of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd really like to see Brass's cut and what Brass's vision was. I know that there's a... um, I was listening to the Production Booth podcast about this and uh, they were interviewing this guy who's actually... um, made it his thesis to, to like look at the different cuts of the movie and he's tried to put together uh, kind of a what best resembles Brass's vision, which I think would be fascinating to see. Like it's not commercially available, but um, I think something like that would be really uh, cool to see. The movie's also been, you know, there's a famous review of this movie saying that there's like a, you know, a great movie, Waiting to come out of this, um, but no one's been able to find it yet. So um, I agree. I think I think it is in there somewhere, um, but I don't know if we'll ever see it. You know, considering the fact that Guccione's dead, um, the footage is perhaps in a vault, perhaps lost. Um, maybe we'll never know. But I mean, I I still think this. I mean, I've have you know found endless time could be spent looking into this movie and kind of the stories behind it and just it's kind of a mythological thing in a way. I also think McDowell's performance is quite quite interesting and it's almost like, you know, like you know how Caligula seems to almost be playing with the Senate and be playing with the government and be playing with his power. It's almost like McDowell was doing the same thing in his performance like he was almost fucking with everyone when he was acting it felt like
1: could be he is pretty over the top
0: yeah like i thought Thought it was almost like a game to him you know so i don't know i mean it's too bad I'd, I'd love to see more people like talk about this and it's just it just seems like no one really wants to talk about it i think brass doesn't talk about it i don't think mcdowell wants to talk about it i know they did commentary for the dvd but uh I don't know, but uh,
1: maybe someone will do a good book about it.
0: I'd read it. I'm surprised it's not done already.
1: I'll read it in a second. Yeah. Because the stories behind this movie are friggin' fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's Caligula.
1: So why don't we do our recommendations? Right. So would you like me to go first? Go for it. Okay. Didn't really like the movie. I've said that in the past, but I would recommend you see it. Wow. Yeah. The reason for this is it is such a (laughs) bizarrety. Like, it's such a piece of... Like, Josh said, you're never going to see a movie come along like this ever again. No. This is a movie that was made by a pornography maven in a foreign country with... Shakespearean actors that has hardcore scenes in it that try to be a historical document of an actual emperor and his breakdown but failed miserably at it because of all the spanners in the works. Yeah. So I can understand this film's status as a cult movie. I get it. Like it's when you're watching it, it's fascinating in the sense that you're like through my brain through this entire movie, I was like, "How did this get made? What's going on here? This is weird you know i I had a struggle getting through it. I had to watch it in two sittings, you know, but i I get it. I get why it has a cult following." And that's why I can recommend it if you're into behind-the-scenes of movies and you want to see what too many cooks in the kitchen, to use another cliche, can do to a movie. Because like Josh said, and like I said before, there is a potential for there to be an actual decent movie in here if it was edited properly, if inserts that were unnecessary for hardcore weren't here, and if, you know... I feel like the movie was better made than it than it looks, but because of bad editing and bad choices, it looks a lot, you know, more low budget than it actually is. Yeah. So, if someone could get in there and actually edit it and make it into a cohesive piece of work, I feel like it'd be a better movie, but it is I recommend seeing it at least once. I will never watch it again. But I recommend seeing it at least once if you have any any sort of interest in behind the scenes of films and how they can go wrong yeah
0: yeah i mean obviously i'm gonna recommend this movie i mean i've seen it a number of times through my life and uh i mean i'm like i said i mean i'm I'm kind of obsessed with this movie in a way i mean it's not like i'm like reading about it every day or anything but i mean it's one of those ones i do think about once in a while and you know every so often i'll go and read an interview or like you know, watch something online or whatever, and uh, go see what what happened, what ended up with happening to this person or that person. Um, and yeah, it's it's um, it's something else. It's it's a it's it's definitely a one of a kind. I can't think of any other movie like this. And um, yeah, I think everyone should kind of check it out once if you're a fan of like cult cinema and just weird time capsules because yeah you'll never this will never happen again i mean i don't care you know how many nymphomaniacs get made and brown bunnies like it they don't hold a candle to this like you know there's been attempts by big hollywood productions to make to put hard like to do kind of a hardcore crossover um they've never nothing's ever come close to being done on this scale and uh, and I don't think it all it will ever happen again. So, from that perspective, yeah. And 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 I do I do differ a little bit in that I think this is quite entertaining, um, mainly from McDowell and and Steiner, and um, perhaps and Savoy's performance I think is quite good. Um, and there's there's enough going on here that I can sort of be like. Bewildered, I guess, is more of a term than, than entertained at what's happening on the screen. There's just so much to look at. There's just so much weird shit happening that it's just, uh, some, it's something else. So I don't watch it every two months. I don't watch it every Christmas. I mean, I, that would I, be
1: fucking weird if you did. I do
0: come back to it every like five or ten years, or so and, and just, uh, revisit it a little bit and just, um, sort of do it a little like a little update on it and but i I, you know one thing i really do wish about this movie is i do wish more people would come out about it and and yeah i really wish someone would do a proper book about it not a scholarly book but almost kind of like an entertaining book but, or like i wish like one of those feature length documentaries would get made you know how all those ones are being done by like red shirt and like the you know one, one we're seeing on return of the living dead or nightmare on All street i wish someone would do a real documentary well, like if, this if
1: arrow can go and get a, a pretty good lengthy documentary out of mark of the devil i'm sure they can do that for this too yeah like or someone can it's
0: quite astounding to me that that's never been done yeah that, So I would love to see that because this movie is pretty fascinating from that perspective. So, And do it while people are still around. I mean, Brass is getting up there and all these guys are getting older, right? I mean, uh, hopefully someone will do that.
1: It's like you said, it's a weird time capsule of bad decisions. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I just wanted to quickly note that I did watch this movie on Malcolm McDowell's birthday. Yes, you did. So happy birthday, Malcolm. (laughs)
0: All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, as always, please check us out on the internet at uh, www.thevideograveyard.com slash GBW podcast. And uh, check us out on iTunes and all that jazz and Facebook and uh, ratings and reviews. Yeah. You know, all the typical stuff. Yeah. So hopefully uh, you all got something out of this. Um, I know it's kind of a, a weird a movie to talk about but um not a lot of people talk about it so hey hopefully uh people learn something about it and maybe uh maybe we'll be interested enough to check it out but if you have seen caligula leave us a note on our uh, facebook group and let us know what you thought of it that'd be uh be great to hear other people's perspectives all right so i'm gonna sign off now so i'm josh and thanks for listening yeah good night everybody